0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. This is Maggie, and I'm Ian, and on this episode, we are doing the 32nd Best Picture winner, Ben Hur.
1: Every time you say our names backwards like that, it 100% throws me for a loop.
0: Well, I'm going to keep doing it until it's normal and then switch and then it on to switch you it back because and I'm be like, Wait, I enjoy a messing with Ugh. you.
1: <laughs> Now's not the time. Okay, so, Ben-Hur, as Ian said, it's from 1959. It is a historical epic that follows the trials and tribulations of Judah Ben-Hur, who is a wealthy Jewish prince and merchant living under Roman rule around, like, 20-ish AD. I feel like that's as, like, summary as we can get it, because a lot happens.
0: I mean, it's a 3 hour 42 minute movie. Yes,
1: so as a heads up this will be a longer episode. We talked about splitting it into kind of the same way we did with Gone with the Wind because that was also around 4 hours and had an intermission, but when we were looking at like where the intermission falls, it there aren't really two like distinct parts to Ben-Hur the same way there was with Gone with the Wind, so we decided instead to just do one episode but make sure that it was longer so that we were mm-hmm. able to talk about everything. Cause like there is a lot to talk about.
2: Uh,
0: yes, there is. <laughs> it's a daunting task.
1: Yes. Um, so this stars Charlton Heston. He was very well known at the time for doing these like big biblical epics that were pretty popular. Uh, the 10 commandments had come out a few years prior, mm-hmm. which was done by Cecil B. DeMille and was like this big sweeping historical epic. This one in particular is directed by William Wyler, who will sound familiar from the podcast because he also directed The Best Years of Our Lives and Mrs. Miniver.
0: Oh, no wonder I liked his cinematography and everything so much. I know,
1: he's a good director. Yeah. Um. And this is based on a remake of a 1925 film by a similar name that was adapted from Lou Wallace's 1880s novel, Ben-Hur, A Tale of the Christ. William Wyler was one of the assistant directors on that 1925 film.
0: I call shenanigans. I'm kidding. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. It um, is cool.
1: And it's kind of an interesting slightly different perspective, because like I said, biblical epics were very popular at the time. I think we also had Vadis that was nominated a couple mm-hmm. years previously. I have not seen a ton of them. Ten Commandments I have seen, and I've seen a couple other lesser known ones. Ben-Hur feels different. And I think part of mm-hmm. that is not just William Wyler's directing style, but William Wyler was also Jewish. So it was like a slightly different lens. And I think kind of the cool thing about Ben-Hur and there is a lot actually more than I remembered the deals with like the Christ story and the Mm -hmm. more well-known biblical story but in general like the main characters of this movie are not from that narrative like they are these to some extent everyday people who we are watching navigate this world I say everyday people like they are a wealthy family and then they lose it all but they are kind of their own distinct character
0: I really liked this, like, quote-unquote, like, retelling in the time of Christ because, like, when you think about the traditional biblical story of Christ, it focuses very much on the, like, lower classes and the downtrodden and all of their trials and tribulations, whereas this one was showing how somebody even at the upper crust was dealing with Roman rule in this time.
1: It gives you a very... Intricate look at the politics and like the social and economic workings of like the Roman Empire and how that affected places like Judea that had been Mm -hmm. conquered by them and kind of how, you know, again, the lower classes and the middle classes and the upper classes, like you were still wealthy, but you were still like you weren't a Roman citizen. Right. So like you were still considered like lower on the like social ladder yeah. and political ladder and everything, and you weren't immune to the injustice.
0: Yes, I would be interested to know how much of the treatment of that sort of material was editorializing versus historical. Because I mean, it is a movie, but I'd, I'd just be interested to know. A
1: lot of it was actually very historically accurate. Um, I'll get into it more when we talk about the chariot racing scene. But a mm-hmm. lot of stuff around that was actually like very, very historically accurate. And then the score which I think we're going to probably touch on quite a bit. It is amazing.
0: And it never stopped.
1: No, it is the longest score ever done. Just because like it's constantly it in this like stopped. four hour movie. But it was done by Miklos Rosa, who we might remember from the podcast for doing The Lost Weekend. Also good. Yes. Um, but he actually did research a lot of like Greek and Roman music mm-hmm. to make that score really feel like more authentic. And I think I think it definitely like lends a lot to the atmosphere. Awesome. As we mentioned, this was a very long movie. It also had at the time, what was the largest budget ever? At 15.2 million. It was like one of the longest. Production cycles ever. So, like pre production began in October of 1957. Again, the movie came out in 1959. So, pre production began in 1957. They filmed starting in May of 1958 and ended in January of 1959. And they were shooting like 12 to 14 hour days, six days a week. Like, it was a grueling, grueling production. And then the post production lasted six months.
0: That is a shit ton. Yeah.
1: So this was a massive, massive yeah. project. And really
0: quickly, because I was curious, I just looked it up. That's like a hundred and thirty-ish million in today's dollars.
1: Yeah, like that's it a was, lot of money. It was very, very big budget, and it paid off. It was immensely popular, and it is at the time was the second highest grossing film ever after Gone with the Wind. Which is ironic because it is also the second longest Oscar winner after <laughs> Gone with the Wind. Um, though I think we both agree that I think the pacing was not quite as good as Gone with the Wind. Agreed. I this think this one
0: felt every minute of its three hours and forty two. I don't me, think but... it
1: felt every minute, but it definitely had like dips and lulls in the pacing. And I think it's so incredibly rare when you have a movie that is so long for mm-hmm. it to be able to kind of keep that pace up the entire time. So like I'm not I'm Agreed. not surprised by any of that, and I I don't want to dock it too much for that but like it is a it is a factor i'll I think, talk
0: at some i think i, think, I have, think it was a little self-indulgent at parts i but. <laughs> i agree i think
1: there i think there were bits that i thought got a little heavy-handed i think every time they kind of brought in like the more traditional biblical narrative and like the christ character i felt like they were very very heavy with it mm-hmm. um
0: can i just point something out to christ's hair like he had a full-on blowout
1: His hair was beautiful. They did
0: not have blow dryers How did they do that? He was
1: played by an opera singer, which for some reason to me, like, just fits so well. I (laughs) cannot tell you why. I know nothing about this particular opera singer, but I'm just like, yes, Christ should be played by an opera singer. I don't know why, but an opera singer with fabulous hair. (laughs) But, you know, every time they had that character, it was very, very heavy handed. And I think if they had backed off on that a little bit. Which like I, I think I, I understand why, is cause they were like, Oh, it's a very
0: Yeah, but we know what's going on, so you don't yeah. have to like beat us over the head with it. We can fill in the gaps.
1: Yes, and like there were I think if they had been even more subtle with it and had that even more as a background story, I think it could have been more emotionally effective
0: with the exception of the like trial scene and all the way to the end like that i think needed to be there but like when he gave water to um,
1: yeah like the first time he gives water to judah i think like i was kind of like but we'll talk about them more when we get there so it is number 72 on the american film institute's original 100 best films list from 1998 it is number two of the epics on their like top 10 of 10
0: what's number one Lawrence of Arabia. Oh,
1: yeah, it was Lawrence of Arabia, which we will also watch. Um, Oh,
0: Gone with the Wind is only number four.
1: Yeah, Lawrence of Arabia, I think it's good and it's pretty, but it is also a very long film that I think you kind of feel the pacing of it. like I said, it's very hard not to. It is number 49 for AFI's 100 Thrills, number 21 for AFI's 100 Scores, and number 56 for their 100 Cheers. So like inspirational pictures. Okay, I'm pretty much on board with that. Um, It won a record, or at the time, a record 11 Academy Awards, which I don't think was matched again until Titanic. Wow. Yeah. Another epic. Um, It was nominated for 12, so there was only one it didn't win. William Wyler won for Best Director. Charlton Heston won for Best Actor. Hugh Griffith, who played the Sheik, won for Best Supporting Actor, which he's not the supporting character I would have given it to. I thought there were some really great supporting performances in this. But he wasn't the one that was like the standout to me. Like not
0: Masala. Like
1: Mas- like Stephen Boyd Masala yeah. is great. Um, I wrote down the name later, but uh, Quintus Arius, the Roman consul, I mm-hmm. think is phenomenal.
0: He's so much more minor though than like. But
1: he's the so. Sheik I think he's masala. so much better though than the Sheik. But I think like Stephen Boyd's better as mm-hmm. Masala. Robert L. Surtees won for Best Color Cinematography.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, color
1: sure. was stunning. Elizabeth Haffenden won for Best Costume Design for Color. It won for Best Special Effects. It won for Best Film Editing. It won for Best Art Direction Set Decoration Color. Obviously, the sets are phenomenal. The sets and the costuming are phenomenal.
0: Well, and I'm going to say it multiple times. It's like the sheer scale of anything, like it's giant like when you and think, well pulled off. Yes. When so. you think of an epic...
1: <laughs> I think Ben Hur is kind of the like classic example of someone who's like, what is an epic? Like an epic film, you're you're like Ben Hur. Like the scale is massive. The characters travel over like long distances. It mm-hmm. goes over multiple years. It's like there's so many of the characters, and they like kind of come in and out of the narrative right. as you follow like your one main character. Like it, it is the definition of an epic. Yes.
0: And not going to lie, I don't know why I was thinking this, except I do, because there were Romans as I was thinking of the Odyssey the whole time. <laughs> I don't know why. The
1: Odyssey is the Greeks, hon.
0: It, it was the Greeks. Oh, shit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm about to get to also nerd out on, like, my Latin and Roman history in this one. Get ready.
0: They were Mediterranean. That's get all ready. I'm going to say. They
1: were, very, I'm <laughs> they were going, very different. I am not going into this with you right now. Um Miklos Rosso won for best score. It won for best sound recording. And the one thing it was nominated for that it did not win was best adapted screenplay.
0: I'm, I'm kind of okay with that. And the, the reason, like, there were some moments where I was like, okay, this writing is too superhuman and almost feels stilted at times. It was especially when it was like, um Judah speaking to Esther one-on-one, um like in the post-intermission portions of it where it was like yeah that you're having these like really tidy but kind of trite parallel constructions in the way they're talking to one another, which like it works really well in text. I'm not sure how I liked it on screen.
1: It's tough because like you're also dealing and like early on with the two of them they are very different social Statuses, so like it makes more sense that it would have been like more formalized right. speech. But in the end, you're like you've you're, both seen some shit. Like you're kind of on the same playing field now. Like it seems a little bit more stilted and stuff. But I don't. I don't know if part of that's the fact that it's like set so long ago. Yeah. I feel like people tend to like make stuff more formal sounding. Right. When it's set longer, well, ago. and have
0: these English accents where it's like, of course, that's what everybody sounded like. <laughs>
1: I mean, it's an American movie. It like, is.
0: It's like let's make it sound foreign. <laughs> um,
1: Which? Except for the actress playing Esther was an Israeli actress.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, um, Haya the... Harrit. Say that one more time. Haya Harrit. I'm probably butchering that, but she's she played Esther. She was phenomenal. I did like her. Especially in like those her. end scenes. Oh mm-hmm. my god, she was so good. In the
0: first half I was kinda like, eh, but then she pulled it off, especially when interacting with I think when she was um, just
1: given more. Like when she oh, was given yeah. meatier stuff, she like went for mm-hmm. it and like nailed it.
0: Totally agree. Yeah. Now, to like kind of address the elephant in the room, there's a lot of problematic whitewashing in this film.
1: The particularly the chic character. Yes. Like, like.
0: literally in brown face.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah. that was like of its time, his performance was good, but I'm kinda like, you couldn't actually find somebody to yeah. play and also Charlton Heston's super white.
1: <laughs> Charlton Heston, you're like, I I do not buy that yeah, you at all. are from that region of the world. Apparently, though, there was a conscious choice by Weiler to cast a lot of the Roman characters as British actors and a lot of the non-Roman characters as American actors to kind of show some sort of, like, societal divide. Uh-huh. And he also thought that audiences would think of, like, the British actors as more patrician.
0: I mean, that's definitely playing off cultural, like, stereotypes that we have. so Yeah. yeah. So. Effective if problematic. He
1: did think about the casting, just maybe not in the ways that one would have hoped.
0: I mean, it's 1959. Again, explanation, not an excuse. So
1: yeah. Oh, so we mentioned Cecil B. DeMille, who was kind of very like his whole thing was these big biblical epics, right? Mm -hmm. Going back into like silent era. And he had just recently done the Ten Commandments, Weiler later admitted that he kind of wanted to outdo DeMille as far as like scale and that he wanted to produce a, quote, thinking man's biblical epic," which I think to some extent he did. Like, I I think he accomplished that because they bring up a lot of these like societal, political, community driven questions, like especially when Masala, you know, very early on in the film is asking Judah to betray members of his community and like other friends of his in order to Mm -hmm. help him and he's like you have to choose like i think like that's a not something that you see like i don't know i feel like so many of the other biblical epics are like we're just going to tell the same big story we're gonna
0: do a word-for-word adaptation from the bible like like they're not
1: they're not really (laughs) introducing yeah like in general i would say they're not really introduced the ones that i've seen at least are not really introducing some of these like bigger questions of humanity like things like identity like what is your cultural identity and what does that mean for you and like the choices you make Mm -hmm. and what's important to you
0: so have you read the book no i have not okay yeah yeah because yeah. I'm, I'm curious how much of that is due to the director versus due to the material
1: i'm guessing there's not as it was written in 1880
0: so probably not well i might have had some commentary on that
1: maybe i would have to know the author because i feel like the the person i know who's doing the most social commentary at the time was like dickens but anyway so i don't know if anyone has read the book though like let us know Okay, last. Stu Wallace. It, yeah, I know like the name, but I don't. I'm not familiar with his anything else he's written. Okay, so last little bit of background. Fun fact: William Wyler is the only person to direct three Best Picture winners. Ooh. Yeah, which is kind of sad because that means we're not doing another one by him. But.
0: I mean, I'd take another Mrs. Miniver.
1: Or another Best Years of Our Lives.
0: I would take half of a Best Years of Our Lives. <laughs>
1: still liked
0: it. I liked it. I thought it was a little long.
1: Yeah. Weiler's not afraid of movie length, let's say. They just keep getting longer and longer. They do. (laughs) Um, Other nominees from that year were... Anatomy of a Murder, The Diary of Anne Frank, The Nun Story, Room at the and Room at the Top. Um, I did also see that Some Like It Hot came out that year, which is interesting, but was not nominated for Best Picture. And that is commonly recognized as like the best comedy ever. Interesting. It's so good. We'll have to watch that. You would love Some Like It High. I
0: really want to watch it. You would love it. I have seen nothing. I'm so sorry.
1: It's okay. (laughs) You have seen 32 Best Picture winners.
0: I have. So (laughs) and they're the ones that most people haven't seen.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a lot that people haven't seen. Um, so, I'm,
0: Are you calling me a hipster?
1: Um, but it's not by like your own choice. Like it's, it's it is. I chose I'm... to do this. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let me you, back did, up. you did. Maybe 100... I didn't choose. Ian did of his uh, afterwards of Ian's <laughs> complete own free will. <laughs> there was no coercion involved or anything. It's now on record, he chose to do this podcast. <laughs> all right watch so notes. we need to get in the
0: watch notes because i think notes. that is a record for background for us for a record length film well Probably. Not, almost record oh and
1: there will be more background to come but i'm saving it for the like pertinent parts of the movie
0: oh goodness i'm excited it's <laughs> some good stuff <laughs> it is but i love i, I knew immediately Immediately that we were in for an epic when it because it's with like, an overture. oh we fancy we have an overture on this Today's one <laughs> six and a
1: half minutes long
0: okay I have a confession
1: why I
0: fast forwarded through it
1: I did after minute four because I was like how <laughs> long am I gonna sit here in this overture I was like eating my dinner and I was like oh like the movie will start
0: yeah I think and then literally I finished 15 my dinner minutes of it was credit overture and intermission
1: it was it was a little much like I you don't you don't need the overture for. That long, probably like, how didn't. long does it take for people to find their seats?
0: I mean, it feels somewhat like a vanity project for Weiler now, a really good one, especially, but especially given the background with Cecil B. DeMille, like I'm sure it was did not really
1: originally want to do it. And they were basically like, Here's some should. of the stuff you'll get to do, and here's the budget you'll have. And he was like, Oh, shit I can do some stuff with that. Like, so he was actually not like originally huh. on board for it, but okay, yeah,
0: but yeah, immediately after the overture, but prior to the credits, you get this gigantic scene of all of the sol- Roman soldiers like moving in. And this was like kind of the jaw dropping moment for me when it was about the scale and also that technicolor.
1: Yeah. And they <laughs> use that
0: green like, on the, the like green, uh, sorry, the red of the Roman soldiers against yeah, the it's green hills. Very, very vibrant. Uh, um, so good.
1: And this was all shot in Italy too. Um.
0: I was pretty <laughs> sure it was Mediterranean. They, but, yeah. I
1: know they looked at locations in like North Africa and in Israel, but it was very hard to get um filming permits mm. for for this particular movie in those locations at interesting, the so they ended up shooting a lot in Italy. Um, but it is I think also important to remember that this is all done with like models and extras and actual sets and map mm-hmm. paintings like it's there's no cGI so when you see those Roman soldiers marching, like
0: it's a person, yeah, thousands of persons. <laughs> <laughs> maybe hundreds they probably were able to use hundreds and like make over them look the, like thousands over but... the course
1: of the entire movie they use like ten thousand extras or something
0: Jeez, not okay, at like one tell. time but like cumulatively exactly so yeah that that was extremely impressive to me now i guess some of the parts where again i'm kind of like you didn't have to be so heavy-handed we get the whole story of everyone we get the nativity
1: to... so it yeah. starts off really cool where you have the people just like doing the census well they like kind of lay the scene, they're like, Oh, the uh-huh. census under like um Caesar Augustus, who was the first Roman Emperor. Mm-hmm. And you have like the people filing past this table of Romans and they're like asking people like their names, where are they from, like where are you Because they you like basically like census stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And pay their taxes. We have yeah, and we have like Joseph and Mary come through and, and I will I, say it,
0: the voiceover was beautiful the way it coordinated with how the images moved through because yeah. he talked about Um, I don't think I wrote down the quote specifically, but it was basically like, hey, here's the coming of Jesus Christ. And like,
1: yeah, so like Mary, I, I thought that if that's kind of all they had done, I think it would have been cool if you like have something about like our actual main story starting around that. And you just Mm -hmm. have like the character of Joseph and Mary move through because I think, you know, I'm going to say most Americans Would have at least, like, recognized that. Like, I think it's a familiar enough story, especially in the 1950s. Exactly. I was going to say. Especially in 1959. I think, you know, it would have, people would have realized, of course, like, who Mm -hmm. that is and who it's supposed to be. So then I don't think they needed to fill in the entire... Long nativity they sequence. The
0: star with the shepherds in the field and it, the three wise men. Beautifully shot, and, though. Yeah, it, gorgeous. Beautifully shot. The
1: way they set up and lit the nativity scene yes. was, and amazing. that's a common
0: theme. The way that they handled medium dark to dark scenes and the lighting and the contrast, like honestly, of all the films that we've watched, I think this does contrast in color the best that I've seen.
1: It's up there like, for sure.
0: I, I can't think of one that does it better. It did.
1: I felt like they were treating a lot of the lighting like you would have in a black and white film mm-hmm. and like how much they, and how much contrast they let it have. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah. So like a lot of times when we're talking about like the scene went on too long or we didn't need this scene, like we're talking about that from like a writing plot standpoint visually, it's pretty much always stunning.
0: Oh, yeah. And that makes it sort of worth it. (laughs) Like, this is a scene where they did actually break this up, and this was like a true prologue. Yeah. And then you got the credits that... Kind of yeah, like they did. They it. did.
1: So they're but, using it to like uh, set the scene. But again, I think you know that story. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, like it's a very familiar story. I think if you could have had the main story starting with something to do with the census, and then you have the characters of Mary and Joseph come through, we immediately know roughly our time setting, we know our place setting. And like, we know that this other story is going to go on be going on and like intersect with our main narrative.
0: But yes, after that, we get some continuation of the Roman soldiers coming in, which, like, okay, we know we're in Roman occupied Judea, right? It is Judea.
1: Judea or Judea? It's one of the. T- I've heard it pronounced um, multiple ways.
0: Israel? <laughs> it would be modern day Israel. Yeah. <laughs> Not so, at
1: the time, though.
0: Anyway, well, I'm going to just call it what I call it. And please correct me if I'm very. I've very, heard of both wrong. Judea
1: and Judea. So um, we can go with But one
0: this is when we get introduced to Masala, who get some lines very early on like showing how ambitious and singularly focused yeah, so, on power
1: he Masala is is roman and he is the new tribune and the tribune was is like basically like second in command to the governor because every like occupied province of the roman empire had a governor who i mean it's it's kind of like the way like it's like, his our states are, it's like the way our states are set up, you know? Like you oh, yeah, have yeah. like we have governors for every state. Um, so it's like kind of kind of the same idea there, where you have like a governor and then he has like his political allies mm-hmm. and like his administration. So Masala is a tribune to the new governor. He is seeing this because there is definitely like civil and political unrest in mm-hmm. the province. Shocker, people who have been conquered don't want to be conquered.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, there's some lines there that were really telling at least in the beginning i was like oh is a good guy because he says this line about how you need to treat judah yes. accordingly to his stature yes, before because, he was conquered
1: because Masala's is very politically ambitious he sees he's like if i do well here that means that i can progress and then i may get like an important position in rome because mm-hmm. that would always have been the goal for a, such an ambitious politician would be to like end up with a position in rome mm-hmm. close to the emperor so he sees this as his big opportunity. We also established that Masala and Judah, Judah Ben-Hur, were like childhood friends, like, like childhood best besties. And I actually really, I think Stephen Boyd and Charlton Heston do a really good job with the scene where they like see each other again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, you're you're right. There is that scene right before where the person's like, oh, there's a Jew here to see you. And he's like, okay, well, I'm assuming he has a name. <laughs> and they're like, Judah Ben-Hur. And they're like, we what can prince tell him to. Judah oh, Ben-Hur. Yeah. Yeah. And he corrects them. He's like, he's a prince. Like, again, you have to treat him according to, like, his status. Like, we mm-hmm. we need... Allies. Allies here. Yeah. Like, it's... People don't want us here. We need allies. We need to be treating people mm-hmm. the way that, like they should be treated so event originally at least we're like oh masala is like a pretty pretty good guy
0: and we get a the scene where they throw the spears (laughs) that was it was like really sweet and not gonna lie i don't know if you read into this like i read into it but some of the way that scene was like put together i was like "There feels like there's some homoerotic subtext here i was wondering
1: if you would pick up on that (laughs) so that is actually like kind of a debated Um... thing with this movie (laughs) Gore Vidal, who was one of – this went through many, many writers, um, This the script did. Yeah. Gore Vidal also, was one Maggie, of the ones. Also, would
0: you really doubt me picking up on homoerotic subtext?
1: No, but I just wanted <laughs> to see um, because it ties into some background. But Gore Vidal, one of the writers, claimed that in his original script, he had kind of like written it as Masala being in love with Judah and so that like a lot of that revenge comes from like this personal rejection he feels um, but that, like, Gorvidal also claimed to have talked to Weiler about like having Boyd play it that way. Mm-hmm. But they were like, "Don't tell Charlton Heston because he'll freak out." Charlton Heston notoriously conservative. Um, I Charlton rolled my Charlton Heston you hear said it. that that's like <laughs> not a thing. I don't think Weiler ever. It's like i it, in reading about it. It's like very muddy as to like who confirms what was said to who about it i think like boyd at some point has said that he always like he had kind of played it that way because it like he thought it made sense for the character like so there's debate but i think i think you can definitely read it that way
0: i mean nothing ultimately came of it
1: no but like but it was
0: just like it was it kind of came out of left field for me where I was like, okay, they're supposed to be really good friends, but I didn't know they were that I think, good of friends. <laughs> I think the point
1: of that entire setup, though, is that these are two people who like have this like really good long term, like long standing relationship. And then you like watch this external thing come mm-hmm. between them and you watch like Masala's ambition and Judah's, Judah's values. values and loyalty yeah. sort of break that apart mm-hmm. in a very, very destructive way.
0: Yeah. So the next uh, like big scene that I'd like to talk through, because I think the acting was spot on, is when Masala goes and visits Judah's family at their house. I could
1: not stand the sister's voice. She was doing this voice that was like very kind of high and breathy and like she was a child. And I was like, it was pretty clear that they were trying to set that up. But it was like a weird thing. But yeah, the whole Judah's like my sister, you know, my sister's always like been in love with you ever since we were kids and all that stuff. And Masala like has brought her a gift but it was a weird that particular relationship was a weird setup to me because like masala does nothing to keep the mom and the sister out of jail
0: but he has some motivation for that but
1: i don't think it's i don't think it's enough of a motivation if like they've set up that there might be a romantic thing between him and the sister like, I think if they hadn't but set how that up... But
0: one-sided was the romantic thing?
1: But, like, the way he's interacting with her and he, like, bought, brought her this thing all the way from Libya. Like, it's very... Like, there was enough of, like, an interaction on yeah. his side, too, that I was like, oh, does he actually care for her at all? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. I yeah, felt it made like, his
0: actions later on a little bit less cohesive feeling. Yeah. Or amplified it like that's i, that's I don't the, think that's so i think it made them less
1: cohesive so i think they should have they should have made it either very clear that it was like mm-hmm. a one-sided romance or just not had it been a thing
0: yeah i will say the way that the um mother and sister uh, acted in this portion when massal actually gives that little trinket and talks about how it's nothing but ashes and they were like super excited then all of a sudden this like chill yeah because he's, he's talking about like
1: this battle they fought uh-huh. in what would have been modern day libya and he or was it again. Who was it against? Was it against like the Assyrians or something? Anyway, he talks it, about how yeah. basically like he was like, yeah, it was this beautiful palace, but like it's dust now because we raised it, and yeah. the way that the chill settles over the room because he and Judah have already like had this conversation where he's like wants Judah to be his ally, and Judah's like, I mean, you you know me, like I don't believe in violence, like mm-hmm. I'm a pacifist, like I I'm encouraging others well, for nonviolence, and Masella's like oh then we're on the same side and mm-hmm. judah's like eh, th- th- well <laughs>
0: that's not
1: exactly what i said well
0: and that's cemented after this scene when they actually like judah talks about how there are some folks that don't agree and the well, well, like, yes. is like yes it is?" is
1: like did you talk to people he's like yeah i you know once again like at this meeting like with these other very influential jewish members of the community like i talked about like how i don't think we should do violence and a lot of them agreed with me and he's like, A lot of them, but not all of them. But she was like, Well, yeah, you know, you always have some people who disagree. And he's like, Okay, well, who were they? And she' was like, Hold up. I'm not named. I Did naming not agree names. to this. I'm yeah, not a was, spy. Masala wants him to name names, which I think is such a such a line to cross in like that friendship, because like they're in kind of a delicate situation. Mm-hmm. Cause like, yeah, they were childhood friends, but now they're both grown up and they both have very important political roles to play right. in Two different communities that are kind of clashing with each other. So, like, if you value that friendship and you want to keep that friendship, Mm -hmm. you cannot be asking people to like turn people in. Yeah, which I think was very stupid of Masala, but I think it tells you a lot about his character and the way he approaches. And well, the way he approaches that thing too. All about fear. It's about fear. It's about force. It's not like a. Like he he could have just not asked for the names, and I'm sure he would have like picked up on them eventually Mm -hmm. in conversation. Like he needs Judah as an ally, but because Judah's not giving him exactly what he wants at that time and like he's he's gonna be. He's playing the
0: battle and losing the war. Yeah. (laughs) Winning the battle and losing the war. But now he didn't even win
1: the battle. He doesn't get the names. Well. He's just losing.
0: All the time. All the time. (laughs) Lost the long game by a long shot. Oh
1: yeah. So Masala leaves and then we are introduced to esther
0: yes who turns esther and out esther's father yes and apparently esther's father is like a slave, he's a slave of the ben-hur family yes he
1: was a slave of the ben-hur um, family he's a
0: trader, brings lots of gifts apparently yeah, he he's basically a very runs friend.
1: he runs like part of the business interests for judah so he's like an administrator for like his the merchant part of the house i yeah. guess basically um and he brings his daughter Esther in because she basically needs Judah's permission to get married mm-hmm. since she is also a slave and um, Judah like sees her and is immediately struck by how beautiful she is. And it turns out they knew each other as kids and they have this whole thing and it, they, they make it clear that she doesn't like she's really not in love, love the with person, the person yeah. who she's going to marry. So well, that it Judah makes tries their romance. Okay. about
0: it. And I'm like, uh, this kind of, Draws into a later scene up in an upper room with the like screen windows looking out over the city. Yeah, I
1: didn't really like um, this scene. They parallel it very nicely later. They
0: do. But I actually really did not like this romance between Judah and Esther because it felt so problematic.
1: It felt did not feel real it felt very manufactured and there was no development
0: the, of their relationship really at all like the extent of it is a you little lied bit to me a
1: little bit to the very <laughs> end like i think i their interactions were so much better in the second half of the movie than in like the first post half
0: intermission yeah exactly yeah. and
1: i think part of that is again like you have them on like this equal footing oh and like judah like frees her as, as like, a, a wedding, wedding gift. gift yeah um
0: And wears her ring as, like, a symbol that, of course, they're going to be getting together in the end. Yeah, that, like, Like, he was, like, I'll uh, wear,
1: like, this ring until I, like, meet the woman I'm going to marry. Like, it was.
0: Really didn't like their, like, relationship storyline.
1: That entire, I think, I think it could have been done better, but that entire scene just felt so manufactured. I didn't like, I didn't like that we started out with a romance between them. I think it could have been better if you, like, had the interaction to introduce her character Mm -hmm. up front, but then have the actual relationship form later.
0: And have them like form a relationship instead of just a uh, we're apart, we're together, oh, we should be together. I mean, like, I think it's I implied
1: that they like interacted as kids quite a bit, but like, but
0: that's not the same. No, like,
1: I, 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 it would have been nicer if like I think their relationship had developed later in the film mm-hmm. fully.
0: This is where like Masala and judah's relationship gets development in a way that i think moves the plot forward in a very convincing way yeah but absolutely. again esther and judah's just didn't get that it treatment some weird interaction and in such a long movie you had so much time to do it
1: i mean <laughs> like, he's come on <laughs> he's not there <laughs> physically for a lot of the movie though. and
0: obviously that's what people need to like get together and be love each other and, and be i married. don't
1: think he really could have been like writing letters to her so that their like relationship develops as he is chained in the valley of a roman warship like
0: <laughs> right but to movie Something to movie me. maintenance this for a hot second like in the latter half had it shown them going through all of the stuff together in a way that bonded them like Yes, uh, so no, I agree. It.
1: I agree. That's why but I was saying I want I want the relationship to have fully formed in the second half, but they kind of were almost like this relationship forms in three seconds, here you go. Like they yeah, uh, yeah. no, I agree.
0: <laughs> so ultimately, eh, not a not a great point. But yeah, so that's okay.
1: Kind of the next important thing we have. Actually, this is maybe the most important thing that happens in oh, the movie because it the now proceeds to set off a massive chain of events, is there is the parade for the new Roman governor who's mm-hmm. coming through and Judah and his sister Tirzah are on the roof watching the parade and they do like a nice job of setting up tension here because you have Tirza leaning on kind of there's like the area the elevated area around the roof oh and my these god tiles I saw it. the
0: tile shift and, you and I see was like a tile oh shift. shit yeah
1: she's leaning on it you see a <laughs> tile shift and you're kind of like uh oh but it doesn't fall and then Tirza moves to another point because she's like watching Masala because mm-hmm. the the mom I think has an inkling of what it might have happened with Judah and Masala but Tirza doesn't. She doesn't under. She's a that very. There's like, no no one's like really informed her, and she's I. She's like a
0: tertiary character.
1: Yes, no one's informed her. I don't think she's like a huge grasp on the politics. Oh, one thing I wanted to point out with like the scene mm-hmm. with the mom Judah and Tirza after Masala leaves, it's a very visually. It shows you how you have this mix of cultures due to the Roman occupation, because, um, before dinner. Judah puts on, like, the Jewish cap and they say, like, a prayer, Mm -hmm. like, a Jewish prayer before they start to eat. But they are lounging on, like, the Roman couches, like Romans would to eat. And they're all dressed in very Roman clothing, particularly the mom and the sister. And they, the mom and the sister also have very Roman hairstyles. Mm -hmm. So it's like this... Visually, they are showing you that, like, as a member of the upper class, because, like, Esther and her father definitely aren't dressed like Romans, but you have kind of as members of the upper class, there are certain things that they've adopted, but then there are also certain things that have stayed from, like their community and their religion so i just Mm -hmm. thought that was like visually very cool yeah
0: well and they show like the mezuzah and everything outside the door that they're very every time judah goes in like he touches it like he would um being like a devout a devout jew like it's interesting how they they show that he's very attached to this faith
1: they do a lot Um, of stuff like that visually which mm -hmm. i think is very very nice um and it's effective and it doesn't like you don't have anybody like giving a speech about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's, it's kind of like that treatment is how we had hoped that the treatment of Jesus would have been.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like the way they do the subtle things there, that's like really building this world for you and helping you understand like the social and political intricacies of it. It would have been nice if they had treated the more traditional biblical storyline that way, too.
0: So anyway, we went on that tangent. Yes, but sorry. The, the gist of this is the roof tile falls. It yes, spooks the Yes, because you horse have and the then goes back to yep. that same
1: spot. She leans too far. Tile falls. Part of it hits the governor and it spooks his horse.
0: Yes. Almost dies. He didn't die. he no, didn't he die. Didn't but he die. almost died. But I do want to say like the way this was shot, the, the angles kind of from slightly below roof line and all of that just really is like showing such a distinct, like, difference between what's happening on the street and what's happening up above. And it just, I don't know, the way it was constructed was really tidy yeah. and really
1: effective. But they, of course, immediately, like, the soldiers go into the house. Mm-hmm. They're arresting everyone. Judah's like, it was an accident. He immediately takes out down from the roof and he's like, don't say talk, nothing. say nothing. Um, because he's like, it was an accident. He's saying that he did it and it was his accident. Um, Masala comes in. He's like, Masala, tell them. And Masala says nothing. And just lets them all get taken away. Yeah. He, he tells them to leave the servants. He doesn't take the servants, but he lets Tears and Miriam, the mom, also get taken. Which I was like, Masala, like you're mad at Judah, <laughs> don't punish the other two, especially if like there was like hints that you might have a thing with." But it's his
0: scorched earth politics. <laughs>
2: like.
1: it, it is, but I think if they had not set up the like him maybe having the thing with the sister and like him having a close relationship with the mom, mm-hmm. I would have been more accepting of it
0: fair but i also like i don't know i liked the characterization of him as so ruthless like it maybe it was a little ham-fisted i think it was a little ham-fisted but at the same time like now we have a very clear picture and 180 of our opinion of masala i mean
1: he's without question our biggest villain now um but anyway he goes up onto the roof and discovers the loose tiles and accidentally knocks one off himself Mm -hmm. too so we know for a fact that masala knows The Judah's innocent.
0: Yeah, and the look on his face when he found it was like, oh god. He he seemed conflicted, but also not. Like, I don't know. I thought that was a very well. Because he decides
1: he decides not to do anything about it because we get Judah in a cell. He has no idea where his mom and his sister is. The soldiers come to him. They're basically like, You're going to this place, which was where they would like send people who were
0: going to be executed. Well, that's that's what I gathered from I
1: it. don't think it was nec- necessarily executed because oh. what ends up happening is that he's sold into slavery and is like a rower in one of the warships. But anyway, he escapes briefly from his guards and like goes to find Masala and is like where are my mom and my sister? I'm innocent. And Masala's like, "Oh yeah, I know you're innocent, but I'm using you as an example." So again, that like ruling by fear and force. He's like because if I would imprison you and your family for this, then like no one else would dare cross me because people know we were friends. So if I would do that to a dear friend, yeah. who's gonna cross me?
0: Effective, but again, scorched yeah. Earth. But then
1: there's this part where Judah's saying like I'm begging you for my the life of my mom, my sister. And Masala's like, and I or I'm begging you for help. Masala's like, well, I begged you for help, but you didn't do anything. And I'm like, Masala, Masala, Masala. There's a difference between begging someone to spare the lives of two people and begging someone to name names so that you can kill them. Like, it's, like,
0: literally the opposite. Those literally are two very opposite. different things.
1: <laughs> one of those you very much should ask for help for. The other one you very much shouldn't ask for help and, like, actually just shouldn't do.
0: Just, come on. You can find an undercover person to infiltrate the circles. Just do like, it that way. Yeah. It's better for everyone.
1: Yeah. Like, it, yeah. So I wanted to do, like, Is <laughs> that kind Masala? of horrible
0: of me to say probably? Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, but, yeah, but what, what we're saying is, like, Masala could have actually, like, it's a he good characterization of, of him because, like, there were other ways for him to To do the thing that he Mm -hmm. wanted to do, whether or not he should. But because he can't do it, like, there's only one way he knows how to do this. And it's the way he's going to do it.
0: I rolled my eyes again because he's simultaneously so power hungry and seems so inept. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Um, man. So we get a... We don't really see um, Tirza and Miriam, right? Um,
1: Yeah, we don't see them again until... Like after, way
0: later, after but we the do get a long journey to the galleys for Judah, yes, and this is where we get our i guess second sort of like run in with Jesus in this mm-hmm. film, and so beautiful shots of the troop of prisoners walking and there had
1: been one earlier and i don't remember in the context where you have joseph talking to somebody in nazareth about like his son not being, being a there carpenter. making the table
0: and he's like yeah, "Oh, he's doing which i don't think we need
1: like we, that, didn't we didn't need, need that. that scene um
0: and the like shot from behind of of jesus walking back to nazareth
1: yeah like that like, stuff we didn't, didn't need. need that um but you have this like long awful trek um for I'd all the people who were imprisoned, chained, enslaved, mm-hmm. um, yeah,
0: like you get close. I thought Charlton Heston hammed it
1: up a little too much. He hammed it up a
0: lot in this film, and he does this thing where he kind of like bears all of his teeth when he's angry or upset, and then like kind of talks through quote unquote clenched teeth. Anyway, I thought I'm, I'm angry not the biggest Charlton
1: Heston was like the best performances he gave, but like Charlton Heston trying to look like pitiful and wounded just didn't work
0: i mean it's like the way he threw himself on masala's desk when he finally gave up i was like come on you're supposed to like you're not supposed to violently throw yourself on there what i would have believed is him just like slouching to the floor defeated like it it was too much anyway but the way it was shot you got them walking across like a sand dune and you saw that one of the prisoners had died and they roll him down the hill like holy Mm -hmm. shit so effective, and then they stop in Nazareth. They're very good is... at
1: showing you the stakes in this movie, yeah, and just and the showing, suffering. yeah, showing you the suffering, showing you the danger, and like not shying away from like, oh yeah, like our main character like could die any second, like yeah, like
0: this and is almost does
1: oh, multiple times, like they. I think you know we kind of in the back of our minds know he's going to survive because he's Charlton Heston, he's our main character. But like, well, and we
0: know there's two hours left, so he has to survive. Yes, yeah, so. but like
1: you, <laughs> you're you're never like this character didn't go through hell. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: Well, and they stop in in Nazareth, and it, it, this really drove home how much I hated the Romans on their behalf. Where it's like, oh, generals and horses first for the water. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like what? And These they people specifically have been say
1: no water for judah exactly like, no water for him and then he collapses to the ground and like, you have god
0: help me is what he literally which was says. too
1: heavy-handed it was I, so i wish he hadn't ugh. said god help me because like you then of course have like this pair of hands and with this gourd of water come into view and the person's like giving him water and then and they're the Roman in soldier you yeah, know yeah they like established we're in nazareth we've seen joseph so we know where we are mm-hmm. and they one of the soldiers is like yelling, don't give him water. I said, don't give him water. And, like pulls out a whip and walks over. And then the guy stands up and it's like from the back. It's you never guy. see
0: Jesus's face. in this. You don't.
1: But you see his beautiful hair. So we know it's Jesus. And the Roman soldier is like in awe and backs off. I, I like the idea of Judah coming through Nazareth and it being Jesus who gives him the water. Because again, we have that story kind of like tangentially intersecting and it would make a lot of well, sense and at it's the end. Paralleled at the end. Y- really yes. beautifully. Well, I think they could have done that a little bit more beautifully, but I will talk well, about yeah. that when we get there but i I wish kind of that you would like had him give him the water, had Jesus give him the water, and then when the Roman soldier is, like not him like the the like weird standoff where the guy like backs off like oh in my awe, God, I didn't like that every
0: time somebody looked at Jesus, they had the same like awe awesome full of awe, I don't know anyway, yeah, but you they know had the what I mean? same expression of awe but, and then they just like stopped in their tracks and backed off, and I was like, this is not. Like, it didn't feel, like, in the spirit of the story, because it...
1: it... It felt like someone was being like, well, if it's Jesus. He's the son of Christ. Like, of course you would be an aunt, but, like...
0: But would you?
1: I Especially at that time, because I think when that happens, it's technically before he would have, like, started becoming mm-hmm. a big figure as far as, like, his teachings and his preaching and stuff. So, like, I... I like, it didn't make sense to I, me. I would have liked it more if it wasn't that he's, like, this guy who just gives off this powerful aura but instead like he is this just kind approachable caring person who like it doesn't matter if the guy says don't give him wa- this guy water mm-hmm. and like is threatening him like he's still gonna give him water like right. because it's the right thing to do like i think that would have that would have been yeah, more powerful to
0: honestly me. i would have been okay with like the soldier like cracking his whip at him and he running away or something like yeah,
1: that yeah but like the fact that he like still approached and did the right thing yeah exactly like i
0: it it could have been handled so much better. I
1: wanted that character to feel more like a real person. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There I was, think
1: I think that's what it is, is because the rest of our characters, by and large, felt like real people, but then you suddenly have this storyline where you have this character that does not at all feel like a real person. Right. And, like, you don't have to show his face. You don't have to have him talk. Like, that's fine. But, like, I think if you toned down the, like...
0: Don't give him the Medusa stare is really yes, what it like comes down to. Yes, like this powerful
1: aura, then I think it would have been more yeah, powerful totally and... Agree more endearing
0: so we fast forward like four years three years four years something like that i think it's around that time period
1: i think it's at this point it's three they do actually a pretty nice job of where they're like they'll give you the rough timeline but they're like you don't need to know like it's you just a long exactly. time later it's fine yeah because they do this really nicely because i want to talk a lot about this like the scenes on the, the ships galleon and battle and the scene like yes, yes totally this great. is this entire sequence around the ships is like one of my favorite sequences in cinema ever because it's exciting the special effects are so cool the score does such a great job of like going with the scene i think it's heston's best performance in the entire movie we get the character of quintus Arius, who i think mm-hmm. is the best supporting character in the entire movie he's my favorite he's i think he's fascinating as a character. Um, And you they set it up by like you have Quintus Arius come on board and there's just one guy next to Ben-Hur because they're in the galley of the ship. They're Mm -hmm. the rowers and it's just rows and rows of people. And again, I like that it's all extras because you can see that they're not perfectly synced even though they've got this guy beating the drum, oh and the way the score rolls, it's like, oh, it's so hard to describe, but it kind of like rolls up and down with the way that they're rowing, yes, and with and the time with the of, of the, the drum. drum, yes. and oh my god, it's so good.
0: I will say, hot takes from Ian right now. One, the drum beater did not have enough muscle to have been doing that for hours and hours a day. Number two, ramming speed is ludicrous speed. Anyway, I'm done. <laughs>
1: Uh, Ian plays drums in a pipe band, so I do. We'll let him. I do. We'll let him um, critique that, I guess. But Quintas Arias comes on the ship. He comes down there, and he's going down the lines, and he like has one guy replaced because he's like that guy's sick, like replace him. He's like this guy's been giving you trouble, and they're like, yeah. And he's like, well, that won't happen anymore. And then he looks to Judah and he says something. He's like, how long have you been here? And Judah's like, a year, and then three, like, what, two or three more? On a year, other and one ships. day
0: less than, it was like, one day less than three months or something, the way he put it. It was like, yeah. down to the day.
1: Yes, like, he's, in the guy was, and he was like, in like, two or three years on like, other ships before that. And so the guy's like, oh, so you're keeping count. And the way that they use that conversation, it establishes that time has passed. Mm-hmm. It establishes so much about Judah's bitterness and his, like, character and how he has changed in that time. And it establishes so much about Quintus Arius yes. as a character. Like, it's
0: Aureus's so well-constructed. Yeah. Ugh. But his response of, like, you have, like, an anger and a rage within you. That's good. It'll keep you going. Yeah, but, you hate, keep, but you have the good sense.
1: But you have the good sense not to use it.
0: Which is like, oh, this yeah. guy can read him and like an open book.
1: <laughs> he says to Judah, he goes, hate keeps a man alive.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is ah, uh, that's that was such a good line.
1: That's just, when this is when you have the like the pressure is test. Pulling them. Yes, he's coming yes. through their paces,
0: and this is where ludicrous speed happens. But it, it yeah. was that was such a good escalation because yeah, you're waiting it, for Judah rowing.
1: to break. It's it's 100% a battle of wills between the two of them because they're watching each other and like staring yeah. each other down, and so it it goes battle speed oh, I, or I don't something. They're like four separate ramming speed. And then
0: I thought ramming speed was ramming speed,
1: the top one And anyway, but they escalate up like four speeds until they're going insanely fast. And they're like people collapsing Mm -hmm. and like Judas still going and he looks so mad and he's Mm -hmm. just staring Quintus Arius down and Quintus Arius is staring him down. And then finally, like Judah won't break and Quintus Arius stops it. Yeah.
0: Now, I want to talk about the set here for a minute because it was amazing and you know that was practical i'm curious do oh, yeah. you know if they were actually in a boat because the way it was moving and the way that their oars moved like they did something to make it look extremely i don't know real. about that
1: one that could have been a set on hydraulics or the way they were moving the camera i know when you get the actual naval battle mm-hmm. those are all miniatures yeah, that, that were I done knew. on like a big i could tank. Tell. <laughs> yeah but they still look so they, good
0: no, no no it was it was great effects it yeah and don't get me wrong i'm
1: and totally the way they lit for a good the way they lit the whole of that ship too, so it's like a lot of reddish lighting. Yes. Oh, so good. So
0: anyway, set design here was really, really, really so so, great. so good. It's so One
1: hundred percent deserved its Oscar.
0: Mm-hmm. But we understand from this that Arius has some like weird reverence for.
1: There's Judah. a respect there.
0: Yeah, or forty-one as he's affectionately called. Yes. Um, and so he calls for him. Arius calls for Judah to meet him in arius's quarters they don't
1: establish that initially though you just have judah walking into arius's quarters and arius is sleeping and i have a note that's like wait how did judah get out oh wait never mind arius called for him because (laughs) arius wakes up and judah's just there and he's like so they said that you like wanted to see me and arius is like you could have killed me right then and then judah goes i'm not ready to die yet so again Displaying his quote good sense because he's like, yeah, I could have killed you, but then I'm immediately going to die. Where am I going to go? Mm-hmm. Like,
0: he has such good executive function.
1: Yeah, he's like, now's not the time. Highly because, developed prefrontal he, cortex. His entire purpose, and he talks to. I'm arius, cracking myself up. I'm sorry. I can tell. <laughs> he talks to arius about it, where he's explaining to like his mom and his sister. Like, this is what he he's like here for like this is the crime he's accused of he's innocent but even though he doesn't initially say he's innocent and arius is like but you're not going to tell me you're innocent he's like would it help if i said it again like but his whole thing is like i want to go back and i want to find my mom Mm -hmm. and my sister and i want to make myself pay
0: self-preservation and revenge are his (laughs) motives right now exactly
1: and like he can't go back and do those things if he dies because he just decided to kill arius
0: which i love that this motivates the unchaining well, of him. Also, later. A
1: great line that Arius says that kind of I think makes him a really interesting character is because Judas says something about like God having kept him alive, mm-hmm. and Arius is like, Your God has abandoned you the same as the gods I worship have abandoned me. Like, it's, he says something about like... It's like it's, we're
0: all in this together so, sort of feeling. Yeah, it's so
1: quaint that you think existence has a purpose. Like he's got this very nihilistic outlook mm-hmm. that I always love in a character. And he's like, I don't know. I think... I mean, I relate. I like Arius a lot. <laughs> I like Arius a lot because he's like very much this... I don't know. He feels...
0: He's very pragmatic. He's very That's pragmatic. Really but like
1: he, he recognizes like something in Judah that mm-hmm. I think he has, I'm assuming, felt in his own life and I'm filling some stuff in, I'm sure, but...
0: And like I said, it motivates him prior to the battle to actually unchain Because,
1: well, the whole thing with the battles is what they would do is they would then chain the rowers to their station.
0: Yeah, so if the ship goes down, see ya.
1: Yeah, so basically... And Arias explains this to you later. He's like, you know, if we win a battle, you don't get to go free. If we lose a battle, you go down with the ship. Right. Like, you're basically... you're you're done like your situation's hopeless but then he leaves judah he gives orders to leave judah unchained and it's like there's a look on his face like he's not a hundred percent sure why he's doing it yeah as he gives the order but there's like almost like a curiosity of like a Okay, I want to see how this guy handles this. Mm-hmm. And it's Judah doesn't understand. The guy next to him's like, hey, wait a minute.
0: What about me? <laughs> why, Sorry, 42.
1: Why did uh, <laughs> this guy not get chained? Yeah. But it's so important because actually, by leaving Judah unchained, Arius not only saves Judah, he saves himself and he saves most of the other people in that ship.
2: Yeah,
0: because he's able, Judah is able to, like, open up the hold Which below. also and, says
1: something about Judah as a character. Yeah, but he just doesn't piece the Assures fuck out. us that he is a hero. Like, yeah. That he is our, our, our white knight, mm-hmm. our white hat. Because, like Ian said, when the battle's going down, when that ship gets rammed, And, like, the hold's flooding, they're going down, Mm -hmm. everyone's freaking out. Judah takes out the guard, gets the key, and then unlocks other people, unlocks the hold to let everyone in the hold out, like, make sure everyone else is getting out before he pieces out himself.
0: And I love that this, like, to some extent, plays into the line about, uh, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy, a a line later on.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, because that's exactly what Judah was doing in that point, Yes, he was able...
1: They definitely, it's so nice that they have Judo walk the walk.
0: Yeah, Yeah. totally agree. Now, we glossed over the battle, which was spectacular. Yes. So one, the scale of the shots on the ship with actual people throwing the fiery cannonballs and all of the arrows and all of that was like really well choreographed, I thought. Mm -hmm. Like a very good, large scale fight. And then when they get rammed the way that the set has like the water streaming in and everybody freaking out again, all like at scale, it's just mind boggling. All of the work that would have gone into just this, like I was going to say two minute, but it was probably 10 minute sequence (laughs) of, of the battle. And then even the models, like you're seeing the, the cannonballs like fly around some arrows go. Mm -hmm. It's i don't know the the That's practical very effects were very, were very good. on point
1: but yeah so judah also saves arius drags him onto like a
0: like a floating, floating piece of wood or something yeah all
1: i'm gonna say is if judah and arius can manage so could rose and jack like um come on speaking you guys speaking of
0: another epic
1: <laughs> come on you guys
0: i agree with you It was probably about the same size like a little piece of wood too dude
1: we gotta meme that for the instagram I want to create a side-by-side meme that's like, if Judah and Arius could do it, so could Rose and Jack. Um, anyway.
0: Oh, my goodness. So make
1: that for me. Thank you.
0: But this is, again, when when they're rescued, this is where I really started liking Arius. Because the biggest thing that he does is he lets Judah drink first.
1: Well, there I and think the there's some stuff we need to talk about before that. Because Arius assumes that if his ship went down, that the battle's been lost. And Arius is going to kill himself, but Judah won't Oh, yeah, let that's him. right. Judah so- won't let him, and he's got him chained at one point, and there was a line that Arius had said while on the ship to, like, all of the slaves before he, like, put them to their paces and all the mm-hmm. rowers was, he said, we keep you alive to serve this ship. And so Judah's at one point got Arius, like, chained so he can't, like, jump off the raft or, like, stab himself or whatever. And Arius is like, why won't you let me die? And Judas says, we keep you alive to <laughs> serve And I was like, yeah. And I love the look on Arius's face where he's just kind of like, yeah, okay, fair. <laughs> but they do get rescued. Yes. And it turns out that they actually won the battle.
0: Which is like really good for literally both of them.
1: Yes. Well, because and there's a beautiful line too when they see the ship coming and Arius is like, is it a square sail? Because the Romans had square sails uh-huh. and basically nobody else did. And he's like, if it's the enemy... It's best for both of us because they'll kill me and you'll be free. And then again,
2: going with the nihilist theme. (laughs) Yes. And then
1: Judah just says, and I think Hassan delivers line really well. It's a Roman sail. And so they're Ugh. both like, fuck. But then they get on the ship and like you said, Arius does this really nice gesture. They bring him water immediately and he gives it to Judah first. He lets him drink first.
0: Yeah, the way they use like water and drinking in a way that you would not have expected is really great.
1: But it makes sense for that like, it does. climate and Absolutely where they are. It does. Absolutely Yeah, it's, the visual symbolism is yeah. super on point.
0: And then they get the like homecoming of their lives, ticker tape parade, everything, like
1: look in at rome. these awesome
0: people in rome they go up so. to
1: the emperor mm-hmm. we're on tiberius now and he asks okay flexing arius, on that roman knowledge this is what, i gotta do it sometime. <laughs> um but he says to um arius you know asking him about judah and arius explains like that's the guy who saved me um and tiberius is like we'll talk about him so they talk about him later And he's like, you know what that guy was accused of, right? Like, he's accused of trying to kill one of my governors. Mm -hmm. And Arius is like, yes, but he says it's an accident. And, like, after knowing him, like, I 100% believe him. And then Tiberius says something there. he's like, I'll have to think about this, but it seems very odd to me that a man would try to kill my governor and then risk his life to save my consul. Yeah. So he's, you know, wheels are turning. Turns out he's, like, all good. And he ends up, well... He's not all good, but he ends up giving Judah as a slave to Arius and he's like, you can do whatever you want,
0: which is an improvement, even if it's not like the best, but it's like a super big improvement here in just a second. Yes, so
1: yes. Well, it's one of those things where it's like Tiberius is still like he's not just letting Judah go because he did, you know, I guess technically like try and kill a governor, mm-hmm. even if it was an accident. But he's also, like, Arius, like, he's guaranteed to be nice to Judah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because like, Arius
0: feels indebted to yeah, him like for it's, saving it's his life. Yeah, like, it's guaranteed
1: to be a good situation yes. for Judah. Um, I'm not sure if Arius, like, he may just, like, straight up free him, too.
0: Well, and I think...
1: And he definitely adopts him.
0: Yes, which is tantamount to freeing him.
1: Yeah, that, well, by adopting him, he's not just freeing him, he's giving him his name. Which yeah, is yeah, and like huge. citizenship, yes. and all
0: of his property that
2: he will being inherit. A Ro- like, being holy a, a
1: Roman citizen was a huge deal. Like that was the top like yeah if you were not a roman citizen you were automatically below anyone who was mm-hmm. like socially economically politically whatever like there were rights that you did not have if you were not a roman citizen yeah so becoming a roman citizen was a huge deal and it was actually a very common practice too for people who like had maybe lost a son like mm-hmm. Argus talks about like how he lost a son Judas like become like a son to him um and they also establish here that Judas is really good with horses and is a great charioteer
0: well and we we got like a which is little bit of
1: that we did at the early very beginning, on when he
0: gives a horse to Masala.
1: Which established that they both like horses and racing and stuff. But like here, we're, we're still, we're reminding people that he's good with horses because that becomes very important. Yes. Um, this is
0: another thing where I had a gripe where I wish they had developed that more than they did.
1: I thought it was fine. I thought they told us it enough and then they prove it in a brilliant nine-minute chariot sequence. But they only prove it once. But it's in one of the <laughs> most amazing sequences in cinematic history. Um, but anyway, the practice of like adopting an Mm -hmm. adult to like become your heir actually there were like four emperors who became emperors because they were adopted by the previous emperor
0: so what you're saying is i need to get adopted by an emperor
1: good luck with that (laughs) (laughs) that's exactly what i was saying
0: obviously um and so there's this like large homecoming party that they're a part of and this is where that announcement happens and it's like everybody's cheering but judah's reaction is like much more muted than everyone else's which i think is really good in the grand scheme of things because it's you get very the idea
1: clear that it means a lot to that it means a lot to Judah. Yeah. That it's not lost on him. But his heart is all a slur. big Yeah, it's not lost on him what a big deal this is. But he, you know, he talks to Arias and he's like, I, you know, every moment I've spent in Rome, he's like, you know, I'm I've I've felt guilty because I'm not back in Judea looking for my mom and my sister. Um so he's like I have to go back. And Arius is very understanding of it. He's like, you know, that's the thing that you always said that you're gonna do and like i hope to see you again i hope you'll be back in rome but like i get mm-hmm.
0: it which is so understanding i know Ares i, I love arius has such a
1: good character sort of. arc it's but he, it, there's like an arc to his character that's like really nice and accomplished really well and i'm not that much time too which i think is very cool yeah i, mean, I think the writing's totally really agree. good and i think the performance I mean, is really good He did good.
0: have a transformative experience he did in that battle so like yeah. I'll, I'll accept it um accept it or allow it i'll allow it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure william
1: wyler's so happy to hear that
0: isn't he he's the opposite of turning in his grave um so we we finally get that uh judah has gone back to closer to judea get some really awesome scenes of him at like kind of an oasis type looking place where he's like lying on the ground this beautiful shot up of um remind me of this character's name i cannot remember. The horse owner.
1: The Sheik or Balthazar? The, sheik. the okay. sheik,
0: yes. Where he's like, oh, hello, who are you? What are you doing here? I haven't seen you before. Like, what's going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, because the Sheik... So the important thing about the Sheik is that he loves horses and he loves racing. And, yes,
0: a lot. And has a lot of money.
1: Yes. Um, and... He plans on going to Jerusalem to race his horses and all that good stuff. And Judah, like, gives him some tips on, like, the lineup of his horses.
0: There were some really great scenes at this, like, oasis-type camp thing. Um, One, the stunt riding with this guy pulling the chariot with the team of four horses was spectacular. So this guy is racing um, the sheik's horses, like, totally misses a turn. The sheik is like, screw you, rides up on a horse, jumps on the chariot, as they're running like yeah this was super impressive to me um so that was really interesting and i loved the way the sheik treated his horses so like judah and the sheik were in his like giant tent and he's like oh do you want to see the horses and they just open a curtain and the horses are just standing there like <laughs> hanging out in the tent <laughs> I love
1: those horses, but yeah so that's how he and judah become friends and we were also introduced to the character of balthazar
0: Yes, who who is one of the wise men.
1: Yes, and he talks about like having met this person who we understand is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Originally, he like asks Judah. He's like, oh, or he like thinks that Judah might be the guy. He's like questioning him. Then he's like, I'll know him when I find him. And I'm like, obviously not Balthazar because you were questioning this rando.
0: Well, but we know how people react when they see the face of God.
1: Whatever. But like, but anyway, (laughs) I just thought it was funny. He's like, I'll know when I find him. And I'm like, clearly you won't. (laughs) You were having to ask
0: well but if you have to ask
1: exactly but anyway so balthazar <laughs> and judah like become allies um there's kind of some other it interest- wasn't
0: really clear to me why they became allies other than Balthazar's just a jolly old man
1: yeah, i think they just liked each other yeah,
0: that's fair um, that's fair
1: but there's um kind of some other like small cultural like things that they throw in which and again like the casting of the sheik like
0: he was in brown face yes the white guy can
1: we not do that let's just not do that <laughs> would be great but they do have a scene where they're like eating dinner together and like the sheik like belches and then he looks at judah and he's like oh did you not like enjoy enjoy the meal and balthazar's like kind of makes it like you need to like belch to like show you enjoyed it so judah does and he's like oh good thank you (laughs) like the sheep's like thank you and it was just kind of like this interesting little thing where they like just like threw this little like cultural difference in there Uh but had them like work with it i don't know like i just thought that was a very nice moment between those characters where like judah learns that like this is a thing that in that culture signifies like you enjoyed the meal and you're thankful for it so he does it and then the guy like it's characterizing
0: him as empathetic yeah and and then the sheikh like it
1: recognizes that he's like oh well thank you for like doing that cultural thing for me like i don't know it was just like a nice little moment i yeah. thought and it also kind of enforces this idea that like it's not a monolithic world that they're living in
0: right which it wasn't
1: no and i <laughs> actually think means. i think that you know casting problems aside the movie in general does a good job of showing that they're like different strata of class mm-hmm. there's different cultures there's like the this world is not monolithic and it's right. not even just like the romans versus the jews like it's there's like so much a uh, lot of there's there's stuff going, going on. on in yeah. the world, yeah,
0: yeah, I totally agree, yeah, so this is like the um I guess interlude before Judah is able to get back to Judea and see his house, which. Um, I've affectionately called the BH and B. Um Ben Her B and B. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay, I got just make it making sure. Um, um
1: beautifully lit and so different from the last the time we saw it. Because they changed it the last like, time the we downturn. saw it was a like, the last time we saw it was a shot of Masala standing in the middle of this very resplendent mm-hmm. house. And now it is completely run down. The totally lighting overgrown. is in blues and
0: well, and the way greens. they changed the colors in this part of the film was really, really great. Yeah. So that you go to these kind of like muted greens and browns, as opposed to kind of the bright like reds and yes. golds and all the stuff that are symbols of wealth and blues, yeah. honestly too. So again, set design.
1: Yeah. They were on so, point in costume design because they do with the costumes, too, because Esther yeah. shows up and Esther's now in this like black and brown, mm-hmm. more drab dress. Whereas like previously she'd been in like these like brighter yellows and everything. Um, And she and her father are still in that house because she's taking care of him because he was arrested after Judah was. And they kind of imply tortured. But basically, or at least he doesn't have the heavily. use of his
0: legs anymore. Is really what I was getting from that.
1: I wasn't exactly sure what was going on with him because at one point I thought he was blind too. But we also see him walking later, and then he oh, looks at them with recognition. Yeah, but he like one hundred percent like sees them away, and is like oh, they hey. broke
0: him like physically. But broke like, him. but
1: he's not doing well. So They're we're not, not entirely all. sure what the issue is. But he's not doing well. Um, he's weak. There is a point where there's like this like big beefy guy who's like helping them out, mm-hmm. and, and he like goes to like carry the um. I actually don't even remember what that character's name is. I just know him as Esther's dad. I feel kind of bad because the actor does a really good job too. I like that character quite a bit. Well. There's a lot of characters, you guys. Apparently, like 348 or something people have speaking roles in this film, but only 45 of them are considered main cast.
0: Only 45. Only 45. Only. That is such an understatement. Where the hell did this go? Where I'm trying to find... Okay, two seconds. Simonides by Sam Jaffe. Okay, cool. I believe that's how you say his name. Um, he does a great job. Yeah, he does. He does a really
1: good job. But anyways, um, so Judah's like, I'll carry him. And, like, picks him up and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's a very nice scene between, like, Esther and Judah, too. Because at first, yeah. like, she can't believe it's him. And then he's, like, asking if she's heard anything about his mom and his sister. And she's like, no. And and she then kind then of get... fills him in on some shit that's been going yeah. down.
0: But then we get the parallel scene up in the upper room behind the fun arabesque screens.
1: And this scene was really nice.
0: It was really sweet, but also where was the relationship development?
1: Yeah, we've already discussed.
0: So, anyway, Nowhere. I won't go back into that, but they kiss and they're like, "Okay, we're we're married."
1: They're Not really. Thing they're a they're thing.
0: They're pre-married? Does that make sense?
1: So engaged, Ian.
0: Are they engaged? There's though? a word
1: for it. He's wearing a ring. <laughs>
0: you're not wrong it is a thumb ring though i'm not sure if that counts it does okay also i do find it funny that that ring was on her ring finger but it only fits it's on, his, on thumb. his
1: thumb because just yeah, saying just I don't know saying. About you, my thumb is my thickest finger
0: i mean same Interesting. so the fact that his thumb
1: and he like struggled to get it off of her ring finger too
0: <laughs> so anyway like... fun fun observations anyway. about this um so we very quickly move into a scene with Masala where it's clear that he's still kind of like in charge doing his thing and He's this climbed the is...
1: ladder a little bit. Yes. He's not governor yet but yet. He's looking good.
0: Um but there's this gift from this unknown Arius guy who he's never met and like oh look at this beautiful golden knife that But it's like it's like a, it's like a curved
1: is... blade. It's like a one of those long It's not a scimitar
0: and... quite no, but
1: I would say it is a knife but it's like one of the long curved ones. Yes.
0: Masala has no idea who this is. And he's like, oh, I've never seen him before. And you hear but from he the shadows. But he knows the name of Quint-
1: He knows the name of Arius.
0: Yeah, because it's a so like, oh, big deal family. Yeah. Um, and you hear Judah say from the shadows, oh, but you're wrong. You have like something along the lines of you yeah. do know me. And the way he walks out of the shadows into the light and the reaction on Masala's face is just like golden because he's and, like, I thought you were gone. Oh,
1: there's, <laughs> But he kind of holds it together a little bit. And he says this line by what magic do you bear the name of a consul of Rome? And yeah. Judah says, you are the magician.
0: I loved that exchange. So good. It was
1: also, amazing. just for like a little bit of context for just how big of a deal Quintus Arius is. So the consul, so you have like the Emperor,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then the Emperor had two consuls that just ran two. everything. So he's like sec he's like second to the Emperor. This guy's a big fucking deal. The fact that Judah now bears his name, like that is why Judah can go home.
2: Yeah. He can go back and just like
1: walk into the room with Masala and be like, I'm back, bitch. Because like there there's nothing Masala can do. Judah has like people behind him now. And
0: this actually makes a lot of sense as to why Masala so diligently goes to find Judah's mother and sister. Because like I was super confused as to why Masala was like, Oh, okay, you've threatened my life. I'm gonna go do this thing to like free your for because you just like sister. where are
1: they and he's like I don't know like you can't expect me to and you just like of, I'm gonna like, come back people. and kill you
0: and it, it didn't make sense to me but now it makes sense to me but yeah and then Masala's
1: <laughs> like fuck I better track them down politics coming to them? back to bite him yeah so he goes and he has his little second in command guy his little little lieutenant dude go find them and they like go into the cell and the guard freaks out and then the, the other guy freaks out because
0: they're lepers. Also, can I just leprosy. point in my notes by my thumb where it says, I bet Jesus is going to heal them.
1: Somebody called it. <laughs> I want to tell a funny story from the first time I saw this movie.
0: I know what it is because I, I think... have a hashtag leopards somewhere in my notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I think I was like 10 years old or something. I was like pretty young. And I was watching this movie with my dad. And I thought when they walk into the gel cell and say... They're lepers. I thought they said they're leopards, like the animal. And for a brief moment, Ben Hur suddenly had this like magical subplot for me. <laughs> and then my dad explained to me what leprosy was, and but, it was like, no the world longer magical. magical. <laughs> <laughs> but for a brief moment, I was picturing two like snow leopards, just like sitting in a room and oh, so not stuff. even like
0: jungle leopards, like snow leopards. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, totally the wrong part of the world. That's not that's not what happens.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But they're banished to the valley.
1: Yeah, because um, of course at the time, like it was uncurable. Mm -hmm. It it is contagious. So like, yeah, they lived in their own like colonies. Correct to be concerned, and like feels
0: similar to like tuberculosis sanitariums.
1: (laughs) Kind of, yeah. It was it was again maybe less humane, but... but it's like an infectious disease. Not but that it's sanitariums like, were. It's but anyway, bacteria sorry. <laughs> based, so like it doesn't spread super quickly. But like if you have a lot of contact with mm-hmm. the people, so those people were often very isolated. Of course, like you would end up falling into poverty. It was especially prevalent around, like, in the lower classes and stuff, mm-hmm. and like people who are living in unsanitary conditions and stuff. So anyway, they they go to the Valley of the Lepers yep. on the outside outskirts of the town to but basically we get a banish heartbreaking themselves.
0: Heartbreaking scene between Esther and Miriam. Oh, my and God, Tirza.
1: The actresses? What work? This scene is so good. They do such an amazing job. Also, I think this might pass the Bechtel test. They talk a little bit about Judah, but they don't at first.
2: Does it
0: pass the Bechtel test? I think it does. I think, I, it does. Think I think it, it does. I think sk- it skate I think it
1: skates through because the initial part of the conversation is that they're just hot. She's esther's just asking like miriam and tirza what they're going to do and she's like basically questioning them about what's been happening to them so i'm gonna say it passes by okay. a small margin but anyway the scene is really really good and it's like ian said it's absolutely heartbreaking but it's and beautifully lighting, lit yes
0: so they're in the courtyard at the and B.
1: so well esther's walking through and she hears like a yeah. sound and she looks over and you see miriam kind of like there's a fountain in the center of the courtyard and miriam's kind of like mostly hidden behind it and she's wearing something to mostly cover her face because of Mm -hmm. course with leprosy you got these like awful sores and esther like of course it's like she's almost thinks it's a ghost at first but then she realizes who it is and she like walks over and they're like don't come any closer we have leprosy Mm -hmm. and you can just see like the heartbreak on esther's face
0: and the way that they're like okay you cannot tell judah yeah that you saw us cuz we don't want him to see us like this it's
1: basically like they're like, like we're uh, we're we're done like this is the end of us just like let
0: we're going to leave
1: let him let him li- live with like the memories of how we were and not know that like this happened to us. because it's basically like you're just going to go suffer and die
0: yeah in a cave yeah literally like just let him think we died so that's where esther has this you can see on her face the way that she is like conflicted
1: about and what to do with this cuz she she so wants to tell judo because she's like your mom and your sister are alive. But at the same time, she also knows they're alive, but they're it's, it's like the, they're alive, but are they living kind of thing? Yeah. Almost where it's like, she knows what's in store for them. And she also wants to respect their wishes.
0: Yes. But it, uh, again, gorgeous scene, really pretty scene. And then she does flat out lie.
1: Oh, and the actress does it so well. She gives this great performance where she's, she basically tells him, she's like, I know that they're dead because I saw the bodies when they were like questioning my dad. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? And she's like, I couldn't. And I didn't tell my dad either. Like, she basically is just like, I'm like, kind of says, like, I don't care if Judah's mad at me. I don't care if he doesn't want to talk to me again. I'm like, I'm going the to, of yes, Miriam. I'm going to do what Miriam asked me to do because at that point, like, that is what I can do for her.
0: Yeah. Along with bringing her lots of food later, which was which so sweet. Which we find sweet. out later. But yeah. So sweet. Um, and Esther's,
1: this- Esther's a good character. She really She's is. She's a very good like, character, especially in that second half when they mm-hmm. like give the actress stuff to do. They like give the character some. That's all she needed is decisions. stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> God, give women stuff to do.
0: Um, so yeah, that that completes the first act of Ben Hur. Okay, so now we move into act two, which just for those of you listening, about two thirds of the movie happens before, so we are like in the home stretch now.
1: Yes, yes. And We're It's so satisfying. Hang in there, you guys. This second act also has what is, I'm going to say, the most iconic part of this movie for sure, and one of the most iconic sequences in cinema, period. It's
0: so good. So good.
1: The chariot race.
0: Yes. But before we get to that, we open on the scene in some baths, and I was like, oh, hello, all the naked men. Whoa, was not prepared for this. They weren't fully naked. No, buds. We they were butts. in towels. Um, but for some reason, the sheik decides to come in here and start taking bets on this chariot race, which I love the way the sheik was able to play Masala like oh, a fucking yes. harp. Um, <laughs> the sheik and
1: Judah are buds.
0: They are. And, and the, the, sheik, sheik knows. the sheik
1: knows that he's supposed to get Masala in on this.
0: Yes. And so they have this really fun banter about the odds on this race and whether the sheik will win or not. And he comes in with the giant thing of money and is like, here, let me take this poker and show you. It goes all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> um, but they end up with four to one odds. And he ultimately is able to basically force Masala into this bet because yeah. he's like, you're not chicken, are you? It was the implication. And I loved it. Yeah. It was so because satisfying.
1: There have been lines being dropped in some establishment in the beginning when um, judah gives Masala that horse that like Masala loves racing and he's like kind of made a name for himself when he was in rome as mm-hmm. like this really great racer we also know that judah has done the same obviously
0: well but under the Arius name
1: yes so Masala doesn't know that judah
0: no they know well he knows he knows that, that he's Arius.
1: oh the sheik does at that point so well Masala i think knows.
0: So, i don't think it was the sheik but someone in the club for lack of a better term Um,
1: But it's after he took the bet, right?
0: No, I think it was because it was when they were discussing odds.
1: Oh, is that how they get him to take the bet? Okay,
0: cool.
1: I was clearly still all there.
0: I mean, you were still stuck in the Entra and that glorious (laughs) score.
1: (laughs) But um, anyway. Um,
0: So get this bet down. So it's
1: on, y'all.
0: Love it. And so we get some of the like preparation training scenes with the horses and Judah and like Again, some really fantastic writing and horse work um, going on there. And the scene of Duda actually talking to the horses, I thought was kind of bizarre, but also kind of sweet in this like really weird way. So he was like giving a pep talk to each one. It was like, okay, you are the rock. You're going to be like slow and steady. Oh, you're the sprinter. But, you know, you got to wait until the last lap to win it. And like, I don't know. That was very endearing Mm -hmm. overall. Now. Heston did his like weird jut his jaw and bare his teeth thing and like a, he does this thing that I need to find a screenshot of so we can actually like show yeah. the thing that makes got, me so uncomfortable. He's got some very
1: distinct acting tics.
0: Yes. Which only I did for most of the movie it was fine. This was one part where I was like,
1: is that really how you wanted to play it? Okay, yeah.
0: that's fine. Um, so yeah, that was <laughs> kind of weird to me. But we very quickly roll into the like race day preparations, okay. and this is again where we saw some really great costume work. Where you have Judah in this like white and blue getup,
1: mm-hmm. which and he's got the all white horses, uh huh, and,
0: and the then, white and gold chariot, and, and like oh. so
1: they ha- they're lining up all of the the chariots and the racers, and they're there. And then there's um, a spot missing in the lineup, and they're like, "Where is number five? Where is number five? Masala comes rolling in in black and red with an all-black team of horses. So we very clearly have our good guy, bad guy, white hat, black hat, white horses, black horses. Also, kind of.
0: can I just say that the uh, white and gold versus the red and black was <laughs> so apropos for us. Our
1: <laughs> university colors were white and gold, and our biggest rivals are red and black. So
0: so take a guess at who that is. Yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway, um,
1: but uh, the sheik also rushes down and points out to Judah that Masala's Driving a rigged chariot, so they're like these spiked hubcaps. Yeah, spiked hubcaps that will like when they rotate, basically create like a drill.
0: Yeah, more or less.
1: Yeah, will tear up the wheels, as
0: we saw. Not to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah.
1: So I will take this time to kind of because we'll we'll go more about like the chariot race and the shots. If you have not seen this, like just look up the chariot race. It is phenomenal and remember that every bit of this was done with like stunt doubles and real horses and real chariots but i just want to like share some yeah. background on this sequence because it's so so cool so the sequence as a whole there was basically a unit that was in charge uh-huh. of filming the chariot sequence so Wyler directed the like big procession at the beginning and the big procession at the end but the second unit headed by andrew morton and yakima canute filmed the chariot race, like choreographed it, filmed it, trained people for it. It took five weeks of filming over the course of three months. All of those horses were like specially trained for this because they were pulling the, um, I think they're called quadranga or something, but the chariots Uh um, that are modeled after authentic Roman chariots of that time, they all weighed 900 pounds a piece.
0: Jesus.
1: which when you like those horses are booking it those horses are so fast because when they were filming it they actually originally had the camera mounted on like this little Italian car that would go around the track because they built the full scale track like it's modeled of course they did it's Again, modeled the after scale
0: of this set is it's, insane it's called
1: a circus like those tracks are called circus so, like the circus maximus in rome but this was modeled after like an actual circus near jerusalem and then like, I been, can like think an actual right Roman now maggie circus. is
0: all eyes Onomat on me in the center of the ring oh just I, like a circus
1: I love how you went for Britney Spears and (laughs) I went for the Latin phrase, bread and circuses.
0: (laughs) If that's not us in a nutshell,
1: (laughs) but like they it's modeled after an actual one. Like the dimensions are correct, but they had this, the camera on the top of this little like Italian car that they would like right like we're going to drive in front of the horses but the horses on the straightaway accelerated faster than the car
0: well it's because it's a little italian car they in the 50s imported
1: <laughs> a more beefy american car to do it and the horses still accelerated faster than the car on the straightaway like Jeez. They, so they would have like seconds to get the shot they wanted from the front
0: yeah and then they had to get the fuck out of the way
1: basically yeah um so that's why like part of it took so long and there was like an insane amount of footage there is an urban legend attached to this film that a stuntman died during the filming of the chariot sequence and they left the death into the film. That's not true. No one okay, died. Good. I'm glad. Somebody almost died. Well, so
0: all of the I I presume they were dummies that were getting like run over. Yes, any
1: beaten. anybody who got straight up run over was a dummy, but like oh and Charlton Heston and Stephen Boyd both actually learned to drive chariots for this. So all of the like far shots are stunt doubles because Uh they originally filmed the whole sequence from afar with stunt doubles and then went back and filmed the close-ups of the actors. But all of the close-ups of them like in the chariots driving the chariots, that's them.
0: It looked like a lot of it was on in front of like a projection screen though, at least for the close-ups on the actors. Mm,
1: I don't think a lot of it was. I think some of it was, but not like the all. the straight-on
0: shots, I think definitely were, but the side shots, yeah, that the was si- them. The side actually shots were in the running. Ring. The yeah, straight-on yeah. shots,
1: yeah, maybe. Um, especially if they're having trouble with the, the car. But yeah. The side <laughs> shots the side shots were not, and that's. I think it makes such a difference because you can tell, like you can see, like the horses moving as they're like yeah. trying to whack each other across the chariots, but like. The accident that happened so it was joe canute who was the charlton heston stunt double and mm-hmm. was the son of yakima canute who's like this famous like stuntman specialized with horses and stuff uh-huh. um there's the bit where judah flies over the front of his chariot because they like go yes. over that wreckage joe canute actually unexpectedly like flew up and like
0: like, actually got hurt well, almost, in that scene? Yeah, like,
1: ended up with just a minor chin injury, but when it happened, like, they thought he was gonna die, like, they Jeez. thought it was over, Um, but he was able to, like, stay in the carriage and, like, regain control of the reins and everything, so they came up with the idea of having Judah, that, like, keeping that shot in, because it's the faraway shot, and then having, inserting a close-up of Heston crawling back over the front of the chariot to, like, imply that, like, Judah, like, gets thrown out and is able to climb back in. Yeah. Ugh. so no one died but somebody almost did
0: well i'm glad no one died but holy shit that was a good one. that's like one part of it that i specifically called out as like super impressive you get like the horse yeah. jump over a crashed uh cart and then the cart flying up over it oh that's awesome
1: yeah yeah i mean the that entire sequence like i said if you have not watched it like you can definitely find like just that sequence on youtube i'm sure and you should definitely watch it because it's so impressive and it's beautifully shot and it like really has tension because you have these shots of like masala's spiked wheels like tearing up other wheels and their crashes yeah. and like people are getting kind of like pressured up onto the curb on the inside and
0: and thrown off their chariots yeah, and like it, run over by chariots at one point masala and, like
1: it's right neck and neck with judah and he starts like whipping him with like the horse whip And they like kind of get into a tussle across and like the wheels get locked on their chariots and Judah manages to like get the whip and then like it knocks Masala off the back of his carriage and he gets dragged and then run over. Well,
0: no, the wheel, Masala's chariot wheel comes off in that scene. So it's like he got a dose of his own medicine where he had his own wheel fail. And let me tell you, my verbatim note here is fuck yes that's what you get <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and that's like how i felt about the entire sequence here where it's like okay you've been sabotaging these people very unfairly the whole time which let me just like say for a half second that all of the shenanigans that were going on in this race <laughs> that's some shenanigans but let me just say for a second like all of the shenanigans that are going on in this race like blocking people's passes tearing up other people's chariots i'm like in the kentucky derby like this year 2019's winner like original winner was actually disqualified for blocking a pass and i'm like come on romans be more civilized that's
1: not that's not the point of those circuses they like the whole point of like the circuses and like the coliseum and the games was that they were providing free entertainment to (sighs) the masses as a way to keep them like <laughs> yeah yeah that's the phrase uh ponement kirkum bread and circuses so you provide them food and entertainment
0: yeah that makes sense yeah hmm. i'm not gonna get into all of the things that that makes me think right now but um empire
1: is fascinating i'm not fascinating talking about the roman historical.
0: empire um
1: <laughs> Funny. we are in this moment ian let me okay. use my knowledge
0: um oh i was gonna make generalizations but um yeah, the sequence was amazing, and again, the training with these horses—like the first lap they make—is this very controlled, like wheel turn around the it's ends. The, the
1: procession, like, yeah.
0: Impressive is an understatement. Yes, like awe-inspiring is closer to it's, what it is. Because, like,
1: absolutely incredible.
0: Thinking about how this well, and I actually need to watch the this sequence from the more recent like very recent Ben-Hur film, just because I'm I to be
1: like, did they CGI to watch it anything? to shit? I refuse to watch um, anything from that. Um, no, no, I, I want it for a comparison I had point. forgotten that they had done a remake in 2016 until I was doing background information. And then I saw it and I was like, oh man, just, just add why? that to like the list of things I wish I'd never remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Because no, that is part of the reason that this movie is so impressive especially watching it today is that is like knowing that all that stuff is practical right like it's it's absolutely stunning that like they took the time and the resources and the care to do that and like filming that chariot race like that was dangerous
0: someone almost died yeah like it was it was dangerous
1: and they actually do a really good job with the choreography of the race is like driving home just how dangerous chariot racing was because it was incredibly dangerous
0: But anyway, we end with that, with Masala is, like, broken, battered. It's implied that he's going to be losing his legs.
1: Yeah, so Um, we see him. He's, like, on the ground, so bloodied, barely moving, um, but still alive. He got trampled, and, like,
0: like, he's in bad shape. Yeah,
1: but, like still alive and gets to see judah's like victory lap like gets to see him win uh and then it so cuts delicious. To the scene where like oh masala is <laughs> on a table there's like a doctor there they're implying that like we need to take off your legs they're like, like starting to like tie him down yeah they're basically and he's like no he'll come and i will not face him with half a body and the guy's like dude we need to like do this now if you have a chance at living and he's like no and then you see judah's silhouette in the doorway he's like there he is i told you he would come
0: yeah which so i don't know if i'm a horrible person but i like kind of rejoiced in how much like of a downfall this was for masala i was like okay you fuck you lose your legs you lose all of your position like you went about this the wrong way there's, and see what it got you. Like, there's
1: poetic justice. Ugh. I also have in my notes, Masala was a champion because he was a big fat cheater.
0: Again, he got a taste of his own medicine. But yeah, there's
1: <laughs> a lot of poetic justice in that. But there is actually a very nice like exchange between mm-hmm. Masala and Judah where Judah... <laughs> He doesn't quite forgive him, but he, he's he not going to He says that sit I don't there. see an enemy, I think, is, is I, how I don't it was. Yeah, because Masala's like, oh, are you so happy Like, basically see your enemy like reduced to this and everything? Yeah. He's like, I don't see an enemy. I see an old friend. So it's like, he's not forgiving him, but it's also just, he's there with Masala when Masala dies. And he's not like sitting there being like, ha!
0: Right. Well, and it, it continues his streak of walking the walk because this was such a graceful way to go about it
1: like Um, judah judah got he got his revenge he got what he wanted mm -hmm. and but he's not going to sit there but he played
0: a clean game and the way this was shot again like i said earlier this is kind of a darker scene where they were able to really emphasize the expression on like boyd's face as Mm -hmm. he was going through his death throes um and just gorgeous gorgeous shot so i Again, I really, can't really well say done. say how beautiful it is, because you have to see it. <laughs> yeah, like
1: that, that, that is such a good... like. Every, everything around that chariot race is so good.
0: So one piece of Judah's puzzle is complete, and now uh, his mother and sister are the final piece. In the conversation with Masala, it has come out that uh, Miriam and Tirza are in the Valley of the Damned, the, the Valley leper. of the Lepers. I think, they
1: call it, I think they just call it the Valley of the um, Lepers. The
0: Leper Colony wherever yeah. it is and so um
1: and you just like wait what they're not dead yeah and then he gets real mad at esther and esther was like what the fuck did you want me to do like it's what she asked
0: yeah exactly because and so, he goes
1: to the valley of the lepers and he sees esther uh-huh, they're bringing food. them food and you have the people at the top of the valley like putting food on like this dumb waiter mm-hmm. um, and then lowering it down and he's like how do i get down there and they're like dude you do not want to go down there but he finds a back way and i think this also does a very nice job of setting Esther apart from the other people because Esther's not just at the top putting food no, down there. No, she's Esther, all the way in. Yes. Esther also walks into the valley to take the food to them. So Esther also walking the walk.
0: I know. It's so great. And when they said, may God be with you, I literally said, and also with you. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Episcopalian upbringing.
1: <laughs> Ian's like, whoa. Haven't used um, that one in a while. Where did that come no,
0: from? No. Um. And I was also like, come on, Jesus, where's your miracle? Come on, save these poor people. We
1: know you're there. (laughs) We've seen you.
0: Um, And this is like another thing that kind of got me with this
1: storyline. Esther's also mentioned Jesus roundabout a couple of times. She's talking about this rabbi from Nazareth who like she had heard talk and she has said something to Judah about like the whole like for blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. So she's already kind of introduced some of that to him. And she's walking the walk with it.
0: Yeah, which is really great. Now, again, one gripe that I was kind of really having with this storyline is Miriam wants Judah to remember them as they were and not see them. And part of me is kind of like, well, you know, you can talk and just be fully cloaked.
1: I think she wants him to not at all know.
0: Yeah, that's... uh, I
1: think that's the whole thing. I don't know. Is that she's like, I want you to remember us as we were. And I think that's why she's tells esther like i just tell him we died yeah it's because she's like i like i don't want him to know like i don't want him to even have like even if he's not like seen me actually seen me to like have an idea in his head for what it might look like now like i just want him to remember me like in the good old days
0: yeah it i get it but it also feels i don't know it feels weird Okay, so it's it's clear after this scene that Esther and like Judah comes around to Esther's way of thinking, which I'm really happy about, because he's like, "Okay, I get it. Yeah. This is what they wanted. I respect you for respecting their wishes." He doesn't say that, but it's kind of it's, he's it, it feels he's that putting way.
1: his mother and Tears' wishes above his own.
0: Yes, which is very nice of him. Yes. Um so we then get a scene of Jesus preaching on the it's, hillside. The,
1: it's the Sermon on the Mount. Yes. So Esther, Judah And like their assistant guy are like walking back and they run into just this like crowd of people crossing this river Mm -hmm. and walking up this hill and Esther's dad is there and he's like, just, they're like, just come and listen with us, Judah, just come and listen. And Judah's like, no, you guys, like, I'm sad. (laughs) No. So then Esther decides to go up and listen. And they do such a nice job of setting her out from the rest of the crowd. Oh, and my they God. And her standing.
0: Literally, I'm like, how the hell did they manage to make her stand out in such a... They have everyone else like,
1: seated. And we're kind of, again, viewing from like behind Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we have everyone else is seated. And then we have Esther standing. So we can see her. And then it zooms in and goes into like a close-up on her. And she sits down. And we just like... We don't... Again, we never hear Jesus speak. But we just see like these enraptured expressions on everyone else's face exactly the
0: word that i we needed earlier. yeah so (laughs) so that
1: everyone like you you get the idea of like the what he's saying and the power of his words without actually having to hear them which i think is i think that and not showing jesus's face is like kind of a cool technique um are you sure it
0: wasn't his like never mind
1: i'm not sure if it was like a thing like a we can't show him out of like respect or something yeah i i think it it means that you can show him and again, since he's not the, the main character of this story, mm-hmm. so you can get away with it. But it also like allows you to focus on his impact on other people. And it yeah. means that you're not like having everyone compare this, act- like take away from the rest of the movie by having everyone like critique this actor and being oh, like, oh yeah, oh he shouldn't have been Jesus. It's because not this isn't about this. Jesus. Like it's
0: <laughs> in this film, it's, it's not, just not.
1: I I don't think it is. Even though like it is like a tale of the cri- it's mm-hmm. like been her a tale of the Christ. Like I, it's not. It's not his story. Right. Like his story is part of it and affects this story. But like it's it's judah's story and esther's story and like miriam and tears story and masala's story like it's not it's not about that
0: right so it i I liked it overall now i will say i'm curious if it was his look or just his coiffed curls oh that was raptured everybody part of it (laughs) um so now we're getting like a full transformation of judah where he's like no longer willing to even play in the roman like sphere so he has because a talk with they're, the. Council. they're saying like your
1: citizenship is going through like yeah you, yeah uh it's pontius Pilate who's the new governor
0: okay so he was talking directly with pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. okay
1: and pontius Pilate's like your you know your citizenship has been like fully approved and everything and he's like i don't want it yeah
0: one thing in this scene that i really loved is how they have changed judah's costumes in a way that sets him wildly apart from the romans
1: because for you know most of the film He's he very in much in more a Roman, Roman garb. garb, yeah. So and that, now he's that like was actively. really effective.
0: But it's clear that um he's gonna have to leave Judea. Um, like Pontius Pilate has flat out told him, You're gonna need to leave. Like until I go up these steps, we're friends, but then it's my charge to get rid of treasonous individuals. Which you are
1: again qualify <laughs> as. So, like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to go.
0: So time to leave. Um
1: and then meanwhile, Esther has also talked to him about like, she's like, you know this rabbi from nazareth they say he can heal people maybe they can heal Miriam and tirza
0: yes and so this is where i think some of the most powerful acting and scenes like really yeah. happen in the film because
1: also like tears is like dying at this point. yeah
0: dying dying like uh huddled under a makeshift tent God, in this like
1: shots it's because Judah like goes down to get them mm-hmm. and he's like i'm gonna go get tirza and they're like Miriam's like she doesn't want you to see her like this he's like no 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 like I'm gonna go get her because this guy might be able to save you we gotta try yeah basically
0: well and you see him going through this really short cave like it couldn't have been more than like four and a half five feet yeah. tall so he's like having and to shoot
1: super low yeah. and so it's, you oh. see
0: all of these people in the colony just like languishing in their disease and, and their decline he, he
1: like comes by they like turn away if they're able to. Yeah. It's, yeah, And he
0: finally gets to Tirza and doesn't hesitate to like pick her up and bring her out, which was like both Esther and his willingness to be in such close contact with their family yeah. is like such a testament to the compassion that they were showing. And again, yes. like, because like, again, like, love them more that, for, right? like
1: leprosy is contagious. Yeah. Like, it's, it, you know,
0: well, and you get a flavor of that once they get back into Judea. Cause they... the
1: way they show this, oh, that was so brilliant. Great. So they get back into Judea. It's like, kind of deserted and there's this like blind beggar sitting in this fountain and judah like puts a coin in his cup and he's like so where is everybody and the guy's like they're at the trial so jesus's trial and which at first i was like i don't like the like the, the, the it's like suddenly the trial and it snuck up on us but i'm but then i was like wait a minute but like judah like judah wouldn't have known like this is how he would have found out like it would have just like been a thing that happened he would have been like oh wait but there's a trial like yeah that's so realistic
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um
1: and like proper for our characters so anyway but the guy is like telling them about it and then you see these people see miriam and tirza and they go lepers get out of here and are like throwing stuff at them and you see as miriam esther and judah carrying tirza start walking up towards where the dark direction of the trial the blind guy rattles his cup here's the coin in there and turns it over So that the coin falls off. Yeah.
0: It's like, damn, that was cold. It's it's (laughs) like,
1: it shows you how ostracized and how isolated people with that disease were and how afraid people were of it. Yeah. That like this guy who clearly needs that money is like, yeah, no.
0: Not even going to toy with it, even if I need the money. Yeah. But this is where we get some of the most beautiful shots. Well, I can't
1: not my favorite heston acting though i think he overdoes it oh well
0: that that i agree with but the the shots of the trial and the way that you have jesus struggling up the because he's he's been convicted
1: so we're actually like post-trial he's been convicted he's carrying the cross at one point he collapses and you have like that one person being pulled to help him carry the cross Mm -hmm. you have judah come through the crowd and give him water
0: yes which again that beautiful i kind
1: of wish so earlier there's like a close up on Judah, and he's like looking at it. He's like, "That's the man who gave me water when I needed water, and all this stuff." I kind of wish that Judah had not realized that that was the person who gave him water until he was giving Jesus water. Like, I wish that uh, it had been more yeah. of a like a somebody once did this for me so when I'm just I pay needed. It forward. Yes, exactly. It's when I needed it most, so I'm going to do this because it's right.
0: Not because it's quid pro quo.
1: Exactly. Like, and I'm sure that's not why like Judah did that, but well, yeah. I think it would have been really nice if you just had him do it. Like if he had collapsed right in front of them and he just like pushes through and like gives him water because like, that's what you should do. Somebody once did that from, for him. It's yeah. an important thing. And then as he's giving Jesus water, then he realizes this is the guy who gave me water. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I think that would have been nicer and less heavy handed. I like that. at it a lot. Less heavy handed than like Charlton Heston trying to look enraptured.
0: I mean, anybody looking enraptured is going to be heavy handed. If I'm going to be fully honest, Maggie was modeling it for oh. us in that silence. <laughs>
1: it was very heavy handed.
0: So we we do get shots of the, the crucifixion. And let me tell you, the hammering at the very beginning, I was like literally cringing. Have
1: you ever seen Jesus Christ Superstar? I have not. It's chilling in that it's such that's such a good movie um the crucifixion scene in that it's not like bloody or super explicit or anything but Mm -hmm. it is absolutely chilling but they shoot it kind of similarly where you can just hear the sound
0: well and this was i mean a pretty chilling scene anyway because you you do get the, the visuals from down the hill seeing the the jesus and the two um uh I'm drawing a blank on that Bible story on who were flanking him. I think It's just like two
1: other convicted people.
0: And immediately you get into the rainstorm, which this was like actively terrifying to me, the way that this was was shot, which is, I mean, extremely powerful. So Mm -hmm. you have Tirza and Miriam and Esther like cowering under a bridge. Balthazar and Judah, I think, are somewhere watching. Because Balthazar
1: has shown back up and he's like, this was the man. I found him.
0: Sorry, Balthazar.
1: <laughs> just
0: wait three days. Um, <laughs> um, but the way that they cut with the lightning bolts and then the reflection of Jesus on the cross in the puddle on the ground with his blood running through it with each flash of lightning was yeah. just like extremely powerful. And again. I was watching this in brought like broad daylight and yeah. was still like okay I'm freaked out. Let me go and uh set my burglar alarm to on. <laughs> 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 um but we come to find that uh Miriam and Tears are cured, which I was like finally you had to wait so long. <laughs> um I don't know, it's just a really powerful scene and you did get to see the whole well, idea and, of you know you said like they're blood cured, washes but, like, it away. really
1: is like this really well acted like it's not just like oh we're cured like they acted so well like there's like the disbelief on aster's face like the rain yes. has stopped. she looks over and she's like miriam miriam like your face and then like and the Miriam's way looking they at come out of the out. shadows
0: into the light and yeah all and of a like, sudden they're cured because
1: the whole time they've been for the most part in like the leprosy makeup and everything like yes. they've had like these shawls like very closely wrapped around their mm-hmm. faces so you never get really a good look at their face which like honestly ups like kind of the horror factor of it
0: Oh, yeah, because yeah. they're, well, they're ashamed and that.
1: Exactly. Yeah,
0: it's effective. But um
1: so then they like remove the shawls uh-huh. and we get to like see them. And I like that when they like remove the shawls and we get to see them like they don't look super well. But like you can tell they don't have leprosy anymore. Yeah. I like that it wasn't like, oh, look, they now look perfect and well fed and well nourished. Like, exactly. No, they've still been living in caves.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I really did love at the end of this sequence how they showed like the blood of Jesus Christ running down the hill into the river and you saw it like moving throughout the whole place down to where tears and Miriam were. And like, again, I think this was a nice nod to the the portion of scripture where it talks about um, Jesus Christ's blood washing away our sins. So mm-hmm. like that, that was, I think, a nice touch. And honestly, the subtlety in that is something that I would have hoped for the rest of the film.
1: I liked, I liked when they went much stronger on, like, the visual symbolism. Yes. Um, like, and I, I think that end portion, other than, like, a little bit of, like, Charlton Heston's performance with, like, the water and it being so heavy-handed, mm-hmm. in general, I thought, like, that's, yeah, like, that's when you bring more of it in. Like, I thought that was really appropriate. I think they, I, the parts that I wish they'd been, like, lighter on, I think, was more of the early stuff.
0: Yes, agreed. So we get the final conclusion at the Ben-Hur household again. Everybody's reunited. Everyone's happy they hug and it ends like i those are basically my notes from that scene i didn't think yeah i don't know we we get a we get a
1: happy ending i mean they're gonna have to flee the city
0: but they'll flee together and without leprosy so
1: yeah and that's really what you want right there like that's the goal if you have to flee (laughs) together and without leprosy
0: but yeah overall it i do think it could have used some like
1: trimming in
0: places like maybe it could have been a three hour and 15 minute movie
1: yeah yeah i think we could have comfortably (laughs) shaved half an hour off of it
0: um and that's just some of the scenes felt a little throwaway like primarily the early ones with with jesus yeah um overall it was a good film for me something that maybe if it's not epics aren't your cup of tea just watch the uh, chariot race but um
1: it's definitely worth a watch it's not one that i like would regularly want to watch but it's one that i've i've watched more than once and not just because the podcast oh okay
0: yeah see my thing is i this one felt like ultimately i ended up liking it to a point but it felt kind of like taking my vitamins to an extent (laughs) (laughs) in a way that like gone with the wind i think it didn't
1: yes um because we've talked about how those two tend to go hand in hand they're like the two longest we've ever done you know they're both big epics i think it's very rare that you have a movie that is so long that is able to keep the pacing up the way gone with the wind is able to yeah there's just a lot that happens in that and i think you just have in general some stronger characters and you don't really have like a b plot line in that one um yeah but it's I think, you know, in general, there wasn't, like, a ton of lulls in this. And there was a lot of, like, important stuff. And they kind of did things like the passage of time very mm-hmm. effectively and, like, character introduction pretty effectively. So,
0: And not to mention it was just gorgeous
2: from it start is to end.
1: absolutely beautiful. And, like we said, like, the score is amazing and the costumes and the set design is amazing. And, like, really, again, like, if you don't want to watch the whole thing, like, just watch that chariot sequence because it is it's such amazing work and it's so cool and it's like genuinely like tense and
0: shall we move into lists
1: let's move into lists.
0: all right after won't be this long but yeah definitely we have uh, over two hours of tape for this episode so this is fun
1: some (laughs) of it is ian rubbing his mustache on the mic and being like enjoy editing this
0: it is it's that's my really my function on this podcast is to make maggie's life harder um
1: (laughs) you do it so well
0: (laughs) So for me, I actually put this one pretty high. It's in my top 10. So I put it at number seven. Really? So this is after Marty, but before it happened one night.
1: Number seven? Yeah, I know.
0: I put it really high. No, talk
1: about it. Because that is much higher. Like I was expecting, I was not expecting expecting it to be low on your list, but I was not expecting it to be that high.
0: Like, so here's the way I look at it. The technological feats that they pulled off and just how gorgeous the film was. Coupled with how ambitious and how well they pulled off such an ambitious production, just like leaves me a bit in awe. Mm-hmm. And that's really why I have it so high. Now, the reason it's it behind also was Marty... like
1: extremely influential in a lot of ways, yeah. particularly the score. Like the score, oh, the was, score was incredibly amazing. influential for like several years to yeah. follow.
0: So, the, the reason it's behind Marty, though, like I felt like the characters in Marty were, so, I mean, it was the film that was focused exclusively on, like, developing these characters and their relationships. I wish that they had done that a little bit more in Ben-Hur. They had the time to do it. Um, and beyond, like, Judah, I... Uh, I didn't really see it in a way that I think would have been been nice to see. Now, um, while I love it, it happened one night, I still think that this, like, on all fronts, Ben-Hur is, like, a better film. <gasps> i know i'm sorry no. you know i'm right though
1: That was no <laughs> disagree <laughs> you're so wrong also those the sound of me dying listeners
0: well it's better than the time when i didn't put casablanca at number one
1: i've never forgiven you for that and i, I never will
0: i don't know what's going to dethrone all quiet on the western front for me but it's going to take a lot
1: i can see that um hmm. i originally had mine now i'm wondering if i should move it up a little bit Because you made some really good arguments. Oh, for once. (laughs) Yeah, this is the one. No, I'm just kidding. You do good arguments, except for when it's Casablanca. Um, hmm. I think I will put it at... I did that thing where I, like, fucked myself over, because I'm like, it should be above this one, but under this one. Like, above A, but under B, but B is under A in my list currently.
2: Uh-oh. Oh,
1: (laughs) Uh, um... It's a little more middle of the pack for me. I think I'm gonna put it at number 14. So after the best years of our lives. Actually, I'm putting it all of my Weiler films are right here together. I'm putting oh, nice. it after the best years of my lives, but above Mrs. Miniver. Because I think the best years of our life has slight like, like has a little bit of an edge on the cinematography. And like I thought the characters, like their relationships and stuff were built better. Mm-hmm. and it was a that little totally bit more yeah there was a little bit more like cohesion with the storyline mm-hmm. um but like i agree with everything that you said like it is ben hur is so incredibly ambitious and to be able to pull it off is incredible and just like the the technological aspects of it like the set design the costume design the like stunt work and all of the visual effects like are so incredibly good yeah and while not every character is perfect, and there are some places where it dips and drags, in general, like they do a very good job of like managing our characters, and we got like some extremely solid performances. Probably my least favorite favorite performance in it is Heston.
0: I'd agree,
1: but like he still does a good job, and but like and like the supporting cast is just incredibly strong. strong. So I think I'm gonna put it there. Um, with best years of our lives, again, I just thought it was a little bit prettier more cohesive i thought that there was there was a smaller cast so you could manage them with a little bit more depth yeah um and spend more time with them right you got more time with them they got more development they got more depth and then with mrs miniver there were there was just like a couple subplots that i was like they're fine but did we really need it like there was just like there were a couple main characters that i was not thrilled with so (laughs) like i i think in general yeah yeah i think that's where it was
0: no i think that's reasonable yeah reasonable i can say words thank, thank you um it's been a long recording day it really um,
1: has let's go get food i'm really hungry
0: <laughs> we can't but yeah in the meantime um please feel free to reach out to us on social media if you think we're wrong we are on instagram and twitter at best pictures pod and if you have something a little bit more long form the best pictures podcast at gmail.com you can
1: also reach out to us if you think we're right like just throwing that one out there too.
0: Well, Maggie likes validation,
1: so <laughs> I need validation, listeners, please. Um, what are we doing next?
0: So uh, it, next
1: will be in the officially in the 1960s.
0: I know, which is like, wow, we've made it a long way. We really so have. Far. Um, but yes, so uh, please join us next time for the apartment from
1: 1960. Ooh, I'm excited about that one. Awesome,
0: we'll get it done. <laughs> Thanks for listening.